Uh. We bought reusing the uh, same beats for a third time. Wow, well, yeah, we're on a roll here. Must Three. be a good podcast. We bought a mic. Bought a mic. We bought ourselves a microphone a mic. for the forty-sixth time. Twenty-eight microphones. That was a voice crack, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. I don't like these recorded because, like, I like whenever our intro goes on for like five to seven minutes or so, and it sounds and it, bad. It just devolves into like eight different genres. Have we sold out? I think <laughs> we've sold out <laughs> to Garage Band. You said you wanted a hit. Oh, yeah. Well, welcome to the show, guys. I am Ernest Caldron. I am Hunter Mobley, and Drew Dietzen also here today is me. And also, this, you should have some on this hot July day. Um, we're here to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. No review, but still plenty to talk but about. But still plenty of reviews. Yeah. If um, you will. Comic-Con is happening now, so we're going to get into that. And new music from Chance the Rapper, some uh, TV that we've been watching, and um, a couple of movies, uh, new releases. A um, little film called Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, which I saw Hell last yeah. Night. And don't forget, it's partner film unfriended dark web yeah yeah uh, two very uh, really similar demographics there being yeah. targeted um but before we get to any of that we have mail guys Ooh, yeah we have, we have fan, wait, fan people listen to us yeah yeah um so this sounds like email. you're making up this whole mail thing no Are it you just comes, like writing a letter <laughs> for us this comes from Colin after hours and the subject line is four lemon emojis and four egg emojis. Um, so if you ever want to get in touch with us, ask us questions, give us feedback, suggestions, anything like that, we bought a mic at gmail.com. Is this going to be a link to lemonparty.org? <laughs> it's like lemon egg party. I'm not falling for that again. Uh, but okay, so Colin After Hours writes in, Hey dudes, it's me, Colin Kent Goody. With the highly anticipated glass coming out in January, will you be doing a review of Unbreakable and Split? Would love to hear your thoughts mainly on Unbreakable. It's a fantastic film. Also, are you guys beyond hype for the new Halloween film? I know I am. Thanks for being there for me when your podcast, <laughs> it has helped me during dark and sexually depraved times. Love, Colin. <laughs> Sent from my iPhone. All right. Well, Colin, I'm glad that you have an iPhone, first and foremost, that you're sending things from. And uh, just know that, you know, sometimes whenever I'm sexually depraved, I think about you too. So... And, listen to, for each and listen to his podcast to get through those times. He has a podcast? It's, yeah. Oh. I think. Um, the upside is that this email does imply that he's now very sexually active. Yeah. That implies that he's no longer has a need yeah. for us anymore. So, he doesn't, so yeah. he's just trying to check in. Like, uh, That's the only reason why he emailed yeah. us. Yeah. Um, so so th there's a couple questions here. First of all, um, will we be doing a review of Unbreakable and Split? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say no, <laughs> but we will probably give thoughts when Glass comes out. We can do a little... I wouldn't mind doing like a little bit, because whenever Split came out was before we started this podcast yeah. last year. So we could like maybe... I've actually know, never could, seen never... Unbreakable. Neither have I. Yeah. So we could uh, do a little like... A little combo. So... Unbreakable Split talk. When, when I saw Split and the ending happened, I was like, huh. Yeah, that was basically how my reaction was. And right, my theory was like, oh my God. And I was like, 
Hey, it's Bruce Willis. <laughs> Look at that. Um, but I, uh, I've heard it is amazing though. Yeah. I really want to revisit split because uh, where that movie goes just like totally took me out of it. Sometimes I'm just like on board with wherever a movie's going, but I like the setup of split being more of like a psychological, like thriller movie about like this story of this person with split personality disorder than a, like a super villain basically which and, is what glass looks like but like glass is just it's not trying to like mislead you like it's being very upfront right. where it's just like right. you guys well or at least it's like these people like you think that you're a super i wonder if like the diehard unbreakable fans are like offended by glass that it is being so upfront and so kind of cashing in on this diehard unbreakable fans whoa The next bit of this question is about the new Halloween film. So, of course, I am excited because it's a Blumhouse picture um, and it involves some very talented people like Danny McBride wrote the screenplay and you have Jamie Lee Curtis coming back. So I've I've avoided all the trailers, Um, but it's coming out this year. I'm going to see it. Okay, so uh, it's gonna be good. I'm sure. Yeah. I, uh, I I'm also incredibly hyped for it. I actually own every Halloween movie on Blu-ray. So before the new Halloween comes out, I'm gonna watch like all seven Halloween movies. Even though the only movie that matters is the first one because it's even confirmed in the trailer that they're, they're like gonna they're retconning all that yeah. stuff because there's a lot of like stupid shit that comes out about how like in the sequels it's revealed that Michael is actually like Jamie Lee Curtis's brother or something like that. It's a bunch of stupid things that like don't really make sense mm-hmm. if you think about them. Haven't like so multiple people a bunch of played stuff. Michael Myers throughout the years? Pretty sure. Yeah, not, probably. It hasn't been the same guy. Jamie Lee Curtis is like the one continuous figure i mean even she's not in like all of the movies i mean hey paul rudd was in there so i'm delving right now into danny mcbride's writing history because that's really interesting to me that's shaky yeah it's, (laughs) it's interesting that he got this um this year he had a feature a very short feature film come out starring himself and josh brolin called the legacy of a white-tailed deer hunter it was a comedy though everything he's ever written is a comedy actually no he uh wrote uh 28 days later no he didn't or did he direct? <laughs> no. Who am I thinking of? You got to be thinking of someone else. Danny but McBoyle. Thanks yeah, you're thinking of something. Danny McBoyle. <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for writing Same in, person. Colin. Um, yeah, we'll definitely get into Glass. And Glass had its um, panel at Comic Con, so we can get into Comic Con now. And they showed off the new trailer. Uh, there were a bunch of trailers at Comic Con, and we're not going to be able to really discuss all of them. But we're gonna we're gonna give you a little a little live reaction to one of them in a little bit after we get through some of this other Comic Con stuff. But yeah, Glass, um, you know, they had their panel, and Shyamalan was there, Bruce Willie, Samuel L. Jackie, and uh, Mc- McCoy, James <laughs> okay, Ma- <yeah>. McAvoy, <laughs> McAvoy. <laughs> And they were all there. They had a good time, and uh, it's a good trailer. Sarah Paulson, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's M Night Shyamalan is finally starting to. He had a little bit with the visit, but then especially with Split, he's starting to kind of come back up again after being basically in like filmmaker purgatory for a few years for just making some god awful movies. Yeah, yeah, I mean, everyone says that whenever you get stamped as the next Spielberg, you're pretty it's it's like make it or break it. Like you're either JJ or M Night Shyamalan. That's just that's the shittiest thing to call someone. Yeah. Period, because that's saying that you know how the next 30 years of this guy's yeah, life are going to go. Yeah. That's like something like seeing some like 
freshman in high school being like, that's the next LeBron James. It's like, yeah, yeah of course, you're like setting, setting them yeah. up for failure at that point. Like, yep, it, yeah. there's nobody is that. The whole thing about Spielberg is that it's been like 40 years. You cannot predict that. It's impossible. Yeah. But, you know, glass should be fun. Uh, we'll, we'll see in January. Um, but some other things that happened at Comic-Con. DC had a big uh, yeah, big time. Warner Bros. pretty much owned Comic-Con this weekend because Disney completely sat it out. Mm. And then Fox, obviously, is in limbo being sold to Disney, so they really didn't show off any X-Men shit or anything mm. like that. So it was just really Warner Bros. con to win. And did they win? Mm-hmm. It's a little bit hit and miss, maybe but, more miss I mean, than hit. If but... everyone else forfeits, then you win. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They showed off um, uh, the new Fantastic Beats and where to find them, uh, or, or, or where to farm them, yes. I should say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where, what did you th- guys... Did You didn't see it, I know, Hunter. What did you think about the first movie? I know we saw it together. Um, it was not great. Yeah, that's, that's what I remember thinking. I remember the big reveal of Johnny Depp made yeah. me crack up. Colin Farrell is actually Johnny Depp because I, they have the same haircut. I was, we, we were all losing our <laughs> shit during that moment. It was but so random. Spoiler. But the new one, <laughs> you know, Jude Law is a young, hot Dumbledore who fucks. And Hell yeah. that's fine, I guess. We'll see. Whatever. The young Dumbledore. But I think the big, <laughs> the real winner of the weekend was DC's Titans. Mm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> explain further. And by winner, I mean winner of being <laughs> the new meme, the new yeah, hot yeah. new okay, meme okay. on the internet. Me and, me and Hunter Fuck were Batman. <laughs> we were sharpening pitchforks for a second. Yeah. So in this, it, this show is going to premiere on DC's new streaming service called DC Universe. It's their big, like, I guess, headlining first, show. First of all, kill me right off the bat. <laughs> That's fucking awful. <laughs> Do not do that. No one's stop starting streaming services. Stop yeah. it. I know you want a piece of the hey pie. Hey man, but they're including comic books in it too. I don't I don't care. <laughs> okay, so actually I, that is kind of cool. I yeah. have kind of a side note with all this stuff because I almost feel like this is it's smart that we're getting these uh, subscription services because it's basically like choosing your own cable package was back in the day where it's like I want to pay for this channel and this channel and this channel but now it's all digital so you can be like i want to buy the disney channel thing for ten dollars a month and then i can get the dc thing for ten dollars a month and like you get you're buying the channels that you want basically however dc doesn't have the catalog as far as films go like i want to watch the animated dc batman movies from like 10 years or the series anything or yeah the animated batman series or batman beyond over any of the newer but films. But it's like they're they're beating Disney to the punch on this by just maybe like half a year, if that. But then once Disney comes out with theirs, it's like, just think about what they're going to unleash with Disney's streaming service. Like it's all of the Pixar lot. shit. Yeah, it's going to be everything. Yeah, everything. It's it's just, it's not even close. But this Titan shit, it just, it looks like ass. It looks like straight up ass. It was I, actually the only trailer that I like yawned and like turned off during i fell asleep like you like couldn't even days. make it you can't even make it two minutes yeah. for this thing i started crying that's supposed to highlight the it's, show it's basically the teen Titans show but in live action and you have robin Dark. saying fuck batman yeah it's it dude it's tvma <laughs> It's this is the dark and gritty Teen Titans that we've been asking uh, for on the on the tenth anniversary of the Dark Knight. This is really when you live long <laughs> enough to see yourself become the villain. Yeah, tenth anniversary <laughs> of the Dark Knight becomes the darkest night oh, of DC. Dude, like I just 
it's this is such a major blow to DC because people like I mean I know from people that I talked to personally they're like oh I mean this whole DC subscription service sucks but they're gonna have this new Titan show and I'm really excited for that because we grew up watching the Teen Titans show on Cartoon Network not Teen Titans Go not that cartoony That's like, super one. colorful shit but like the old Teen Titans and I love that that shit. was my favorite show I love that show as a kid but then like a live action version of it that it's, sounds yeah. so cool in today's day and age but this just looks like hot fucking garbage like this is one of the worst trailers I've ever yeah. seen Raven is like this like really broody like emo girl beast boy looks like he just sprayed on a bunch of green tan cyborg's not even in it and then robin's going around telling people he wants to fuck batman yeah so what's going on with cyborg because he's in justice league is he also gonna be in titans i don't don't know i I don't know i i just i pray for sweet death to come soon let's move on to shazam which actually had a solid trailer this was a very pleasant trailer i enjoyed it i actually watched i ended up turning it off for a different reason because i didn't want to spoil it yeah like i I saw a minute it's a great idea yeah i saw a minute and i was like i'm in this is good and then i turned it off uh, because it's a three minute trailer it seems refreshing it's this boy who becomes a superhero when he says the word shazam and it's it's kind of like big like um yeah yeah it's very big big. because he's still like the boy in a grown-up body yeah that seems like a great idea for a fresh new take on a superhero that we really haven't seen got a little jack grazer in there yeah i'm a a, chuck i I stand for jack grazer let me tell you do you i think that kid is not, he's not just like child actor great. I think he's going to have a career. I, think I hope good. so. Unless he just turns out I, butt ugly. I mean, again, DC needs a win, dude. They need a fucking win. Yeah, they and do. And they're, they're, they're swinging with this fucking Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. They're trying shit, at least. We'll see if it works. <laughs> but I mean... This seems like a, a, a genuine attempt. This seems like a good attempt because I know you guys haven't seen it. We're going to do a little watch of the Aquaman trailer shortly. Mm-hmm. But... This is them, uh, like, kind of uh, course correcting in the right way, where they're making a movie that's genuinely fun, even if it's not as bright and vibrant and colorful as some Marvel movies, where I feel like with some of the other DC attempts, whether it's Suicide Squad or Aquaman spoilers, um, it's... They're auto. They're course correcting in the sense that there's like people want color. Well, here's a shit ton of fucking color at you, and it's like, well, not just like actual color, but like color to the characters and yeah. like <laughs> having some kind of a depth and like me caring and, at and, all, and not just random colors, but like colors that actually make sense to right. the palette and of the world. And Shazam, atmosphere. like I, I really think that like this is one of the best trailers to come out of comic-con like i i was genuinely yeah. impressed by it so i i haven't For seen any of I don't these care about. trailers the only one i saw was titans and i wanted to shoot myself in the face but um the, i mean this whole thing is just the spoils of the riches the spoils of the rich or whatever it's too these this model that they have they are correcting very mildly but it's still profitable like, yeah, they don't have to change that much because they're making money. I'm sure their shareholders well, are like Justice League didn't make money. Yeah, that was a big deal. But Wonder Woman did. Yeah, the, like they're still in the green, and they yeah. shouldn't be. They should be so <laughs> in the red. Like they should be like panicking right now. And they're kind of like, yeah, we'll we'll just throw out a bunch of other shit. Some of it's horrible. Some of it's going to be good. Like it's it really bothers me when this shit happens. Um, 
but can we watch the Aquaman trailer? No, well, I, I so we we flipped the trailers. we flipped the coin, and the the one that got the short end of the stick was Godzilla. So we're gonna watch Aquaman. The one we're not gonna watch is Godzilla. But quickly, because uh, you guys haven't seen the Godzilla trailer, have you? No, I, I know it's Millie Bobby Brown and Thomas Middle D, and um, it ties what? into it ties into the uh, twenty fourteen Gareth Edwards film with Cranston. Um, and but, at Kong Skull Island. Oh, it's in that same, this is the monster. So this is universe. leading up to Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah, uh, but Kong is not in this. I didn't know that it was tied into the Godzilla. The well, other, Ken Watanabe. Ken Watanabe is coming back. He was in that movie. And oh, he's okay. Coming back. I this. never saw that movie. Yeah. So. It was. Uh, I heard that Brian Cranston was, was in okay. five minutes of it, despite was, being the leading figure of all of the marketing he for the was movie. In the first like well, twenty. That yeah, that's, that's what it. happened. I, I heard that's what happened with Streep and Mamma Mia too. Yeah, just, we'll yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> um, but quickly, uh, just my general thoughts on uh, Godzilla: King of Monsters. Um, it looks actually. A little bit. It's actually, I would say, objectively, like a decent trailer for what's probably going to be a god awful movie. Hmm. Like some of the monster, like there's just a bunch of like flying giant dinosaurs, and you're like, what am I even looking at well, right now? But it does have um, a good score. I'm blanking on who's actually composing for this, but it's a um, bringing back some of those Japanese themes. It from is the old uh, movies. It's a uh, Bear McCreary. Um, which he does a oh. lot of like classical kind of style oh. work. Um, he's done a lot of music for like stuff like uh, Battlestar Galactica, Outlander, The Walking Dead. He did the score for That's like Ten Cloverfield Lane, right Col- Colossal. But I mean, a lot of his uh, a lot of his work is very uh, piano driven, like very classical sounding. Which in the trailer, like. It it the score is one of the best things about it. it kind of elevates it and gives it this very like classic comic yeah. booky feel to it. And one of the biggest complaints from that 2014 Godzilla movie is that you barely saw Godzilla. So maybe and this Godzilla is just right there. He's gonna I don't, be punching people not, left and right. I'm not gonna say one way or another how I feel about Godzilla's look because the first time you see him, he breathes blue fire, and you're like, okay. Well, that's, but, a, that's a that's a signature Godzilla move. That's classic Godzilla. But I mean, right he just like walks up, <laughs> and then you're like, "All right," and then just more dinosaurs and everything. Like I said, this is probably gonna be a fucking shit movie of just monsters punching each yeah. other. But it's where's okay. where's Middle Ditch? Is he gonna ride Godzilla? Is he gonna be like on Godzilla's back? <laughs> so that kind of makes me think of uh, Game of Thrones. And by the way, Tywin Lannister is in this movie, and he's in the trailer for one second, and he says. Long live the king. Wow. Oh. And it's like, oh, kill Remember me. when you died <laughs> on the toilet? <laughs> Remember? <laughs> so it's going to be like Kong was like kind of funny, definitely. Did you I, see that? I, no, but there oh. was a lot of comic relief yeah, yeah, in that yeah. movie. John C. Riley, et cetera. Yeah. Samuel and, L. And references just like that. It had it had like John C. Riley wearing the Steve Brule reference, you know? Oh, oh my god, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. That's yeah. awesome. He had he had a little pin that said like for your health or some shit. Nice. Um All right, well, dope. right before we get to the Aquaman trailer, I did want to shout out the Brooklyn 99 panel because you know, usually when a network sitcom does a Comic-Con panel, it's like a fucking snooze fest. Mm. But these guys, this cast, this team was fucking celebrated so hard at this panel. The crowd was going nuts. There were tears, man. Like, I really recommend everyone 
takes the time to, to seek out some clips for this panel because it was genuinely like emotional and great because the not only were the cast like vibing and joking around and just like being all around a good panel to watch but the people going up and asking questions and and like engaging with them were like really really just honest and thankful because of what this show means to them yeah and how I mean, it was and were. it was almost gone yeah so <laughs> they talk about that and and it was just i really i i don't usually like watch panels i didn't watch the whole thing but you can find like like little recaps on youtube of it really recommend it it was great it was great the whole cast was there and it just felt good to kind of see that recognition of like hey the fans saved us the show and now like we're here at comic-con to kind of celebrate the the return of of b b99 the 99 um all right well let's wrap up this comic-con coverage with a first look at aquaman don't sound so excited, Ernest. Jesus. Watching it now. Turn it off. I hate it. Not Emily Blunt. <laughs> okay. Looks like a classic Got origin, some origin story. story shit, yeah. Looks like the Georgia Aquarium. This shark boy? <laughs> Look at how bad that shark looks. That's a bad looking shark. Whoa, little Momoa. Is that Momoa's actual son? <laughs> that looks just like him. Whoa, oh. he, he's hot. Oh, oh, we got a joke. He said permission to come aboard, but Holy he's already shit. aboard. Someone, no, I'm done. Oh, God. What, what the fuck? <laughs> Are they riding seahorses? Yep. Okay. So is this like Black Panther? It, yes. A lot of Black Panther vibes to this. The rightful king. Well, we're going into the ocean. Wow. Color, man. Look at all this color. Green screen. So much color. James Wan. Didn't he do like The Conjuring? Yeah, he did. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Fighting, very, punching. Very Black Panther. <laughs> yeah. Underwater. He's pushing out a submarine. Dude, he is he has talked more in this trailer than he in the entirety of Justice. And he League. hasn't said my man once. Yeah. Well, There's actually whatever. that's kind of a cool shot right there. It, the it's very flare. Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> this is um this is not going to be good. Whoa. Oh, my God. There's some crazy nutso shit happening. What is what that? What is that? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Looked like a fucking submariner. There's, yeah, there's aliens. Cyclops. There's land. There's sea. Okay. Jeez. Oh, wait. Oh, my. Oh, redhead joke. That's fresh. This movie has everything. Redheads are known to just jump out of planes. <laughs> That's a good joke. No, I I'm officially oh I'm officially backing Brett's take he had on the pod a while back, which is that Jason Momoa is secretly terrible. I I 
I've never seen one good line read out of him in his whole career. Yeah, I mean, there's some moments of it in uh, Game of Thrones whenever he's in there, but then again, he also doesn't speak in Game of Thrones. He, he's just there to look in Doc Rocky. Like his his writing in Justice League was horrible, but he was also horrible in Justice League. Like he, uh, it was pretty embarrassing. That doesn't look great. There were some cool shots in there. I can't lie. Like some of it looked pretty neat. Yeah, it de- the quality of the special effects look ten times better than Justice yeah, League and, easily. And I like James Wan. I like The Conjuring. Um, and I like some of the other stuff he's done. This is, you know, it's it's the big test of if you can make a shitty superhero movie good as you know as a normal director because those movies are relatively low budget. So this is a big thing for James Wan. Momoa, he'll probably always get work on I don't know, like Sports Illustrated swimsuit or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I just know, like man. I, I, I mean, do you see what I mean? Where they're like overcorrecting by like trying to make it so colorful and bright and like look at all these fun sea animals. I I kind of like that though. Like it doesn't. It's look- better than it looking dark and you're like yeah. squinting your eyes to make out what you're looking yeah. at and and the tone of it wasn't as dark as it was important like this matters yeah. you know it was the story looks just like black panther it's very generic oh, yeah. origin story yeah it's it's not going to be a good movie <laughs> it, it might look great but hey man, it, it comes will... out in oscar season <laughs> yeah dude wow that's that's a coincidence um yeah, it, it might look cool and it might have cool things going on, but I will pay. I will put money down that it will not be good, which is the most subjective thing ever to put money down on. <laughs> so I dare you guys to take me up dude, on a that. DC movie not good. Yeah, Come on, man. I'm, no, you're dude, gonna lose that's money. That's a bold on that. take, I'm a, man. I'm a provocateur. <laughs> uh, you know who else is a provocateur? <laughs> James Gunn. <laughs> oh no! Let's oh, get into transition. it. Yeah, so. James Gunn, uh, writer and director of both Guardians of the Galaxy movies, which are both smash successes, uh, tweets resurfaced a couple days ago. For the second time now, they resurfaced from like 2008, 2009, the early days of Twitter. He made a bunch of super offensive, shitty jokes. A lot of them were about like pedophilia. Rape. Because, yeah, and yeah, really like tasteless jokes. There's no defending the jokes. They're horrible. The thing is, did you guys have computers in 2008 and 2009? I had like the house computer that everyone I, in my house shared. I got my first laptop in 2009. That was what the whole the whole internet was just that. There was nothing else on the internet except for horrible, shitty, offensive jokes. Um, but these jokes, he they resurfaced in 2012. He apologized for them. Made both Guardians films with Disney aware. That well, when he was announces the director for the first guardians yeah people this got mad happened yeah this exact thing. this exact yeah. people were pissed they and, were like this and he dude. put out a public apology and was like look yeah. like i'm sorry like i'm a different person than i was like 10 years yeah. ago and i know these are like tasteless jokes yeah, but because they are they're they not are good jokes. jokes they're shitty jokes but they are jokes disney was like it's okay because they dealt with the backlash for about a day and that's... they saw super have you guys seen super yes yeah. it's a great movie it's there are some really really raunchy jokes oh in yeah that movie it's also yeah it's an offensive movie yeah but, so he apologizes disney is okay with it he makes two guardians movies makes disney 800 million dollars enter mike cernovich if you don't know who mike cernovich is congratulations but i'm about to burst your bubble here he's He's a far, far right conservative pundit. He's not. He's not. He's a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, he's not one of the sane ones. He is an Alex Jones type of just yeah. like detached from reality, insane. He started uh, what's known as PizzaGate. 
during like the Democratic primaries, which was a conspiracy theory that prominent Democrats were running a child pedophilia ring, especially Hollywood liberals. Well, it was Hillary and her campaign yeah. manager. Yeah, and Hollywood people were involved. A lot of people were Anyone that Mike Cernovich doesn't like was involved with pedophilia. And it resulted in, because he has thousands of loyal followers who all have twitter names like maga kathy or yeah, whatever it's not like, russia yeah it's yeah exactly it's like old people who look like bots but they're yeah. just like stupid but then fox news picked that shit up and ran with it yeah and so and yeah so this whole conspiracy happens it results in one of cernovich's twitter followers going into this pizza place with an assault rifle and firing shots luckily no one was injured yeah uh so after that you would think that cernovich would be off the map but this is how he's getting publicity now is he's he found these old tweets and he feigned uh, being furious. He's obviously not offended in any way. By well, it, it was, yeah, not only does this dude not actually care about decency and, and you know, people affected by pedophilia and rape, like he doesn't give a fuck about that. Also, on this, top of this, he was accused of rape and actually tried for rape and, in 2004. And probably tweets just as offensive yes. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he tweets more offensive shit because he tweets things that are not jokes. He has a tweet. Yeah, real, sh- real a tweet offensive shit. That yeah. says, uh, Go out and try to rape someone without using force. Date rape is not real. Fucking kill me. He, yeah, it's absolutely insane that anyone would take him seriously. About a year or two ago, he did the same uh, thing with an MSNBC reporter. You'll notice the pattern. He only goes after people who talk against Trump. Yeah, um, I mean, this was, this was a targeted attack yeah. on James Gunn because Gunn has been vocal on his Twitter yeah. about Extreme. calling yeah. out the Trump administration. Yeah, that's the only people Cernovich goes after because his follower base eats that shit up. They're like, if you don't like Trump, you're a pedophile. That's basically the game that Cernovich is playing with these idiot followers. So he goes after James Gunn. Um, he's not offended, obviously, but Disney listens and fires him. They didn't Google Mike Cernovich, that's for fucking sure, because he, when he did this to the MSNBC reporter, after like two days of the reporter being fired for these offensive tweets, they rehired him because they looked up Mike Cernovich. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking, honestly, that Disney might end up having to stick with this just out of stubbornness. I, well, but like, dude, like everybody at Disney is against this because they all like, I mean, especially not so much in the like higher ups end, but everybody in the film side, like when you look across the board, it's all like more liberal or at least more aware people. And they know that this is Mike Cernovich's shit. And like, this isn't his first time. And they knew that like James Gunn used to be this really like raunchy. Exactly. And we're not talking about somebody like, like Louis CK or something, for example, or even Aziz Ansari, where like he actually did these grotesque things. Like he was just like, literally making like they're tasteless jokes but at the they're same time they're jokes. jokes yeah look back at any comedian stand-up fucking 10 15 years from now there's gonna be shit in there that you don't like that hasn't aged yeah, well and there's just people now because now because james gunn is done he's trying to stay in the spotlight cernovich's so now he's going after people like michael ian black and anthony jeselnik who have made their entire careers off of offensive jokes so they're like yeah great job you scrolled down one yeah. tweet like it's not and now you have people like fucking ted cruz talking about how James Gunn needs to be prosecuted yeah. for yeah. being a pedophile. He's like, yeah, because they don't... fucking kidding he, me? These people do not understand what a joke is. And if they do, they are willfully ignorant because they want these people to go down. They want these people to not yeah. have jobs. Again, it's not about actually being offended. Yeah, they're it's, not. It's about a political... It's It sucks that it has to be political, but it inherently is. Yeah. Because that's a, it's a political attack because Disney fired Roseanne 
for saying pro-Trump shit. Yeah, and the thing is, Disney hired Roseanne well after she was already saying things that were not just like pro-anything, like very, very racist, racist shit. shitty yeah. conspiracy theory tweets. And they didn't care because she was profitable, but they couldn't handle six hours of bad press, so they fired James Gunn. I just it's hate... Stupid. I hate this shit because... Disney, I mean, they've now proved it like twice, like multiple times now that they're just such a reactionary company where they're so worried about saving their image in any way, shape, or form that as soon as anything negative comes out or they get any kind of negative publicity, they're just willing to immediately just like, oh, well, we'll just fire this person. Well, then. I think and it's bullshit because it's not even like Disney is like, like Disney knew that these were tweets, but because this became a little bit of a talking point on Fox News, they're like, oh, we have to fix this right now. It's all reactionary. It's not actually about what they morally think is right exactly or wrong. and I, I think what's happening here the the core of this whole argument is that disney we live in a world where companies like disney need and and feel feel the need to get ahead of those headlines mm -hmm. because the headlines exist outside of context or facts yeah so what what matters to them is that there's going to be headlines going around everywhere saying Ga Ga Guardians of the Galaxy director supports pedophilia. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what truth is around that. What Disney thought and the only thing that they cared about was that people were going to see headlines like that and felt the need to yeah. act before those headlines and, ever happen. And it's and it's regardless of the fact that they already knew about this and we've already been through this, but it was just before the mania of the 24-hour news cycle that we have now. So now it's just a whole different ball game. And it, I mean, it's been said not here, but it's been said that they still employ people like Johnny Depp who have physically allegedly beat yep. human beings instead of writing words. Right. There's such it's such a head scratching move. Like even though, like you can understand the logic, it's so strange. It's angering, honestly. It that, really is. Like now, this dude who put so much of 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 all of the people who have worked on Marvel movies, James Gunn has been probably the one guy who has put so much of his own personal creative vision into the film. Like the two Guardians movies are deeply like his own yeah. personal and, vision and i'm not even i don't even follow the dude on twitter and i don't even like i like the movies but i'm not like a james gunn guy like it's not like i'm like one of his rabid fans that's like no this is bullshit logically this does not make sense and it's it's insidious the motivations of the people that brought him down it's not like a mother of children who was like hey i found these tweets and they really concerned me mm -hmm. it is someone who wants to be famous and the only way he can be famous is by pointing this out because and, and who feeds off of these followers who just eat this shit up and want to see the fucking libtard sjw's burn in hell yeah it's i mean it's just the whole thing is insidious a large part of why this is happening is because uh, Disney does not want to be labeled as a liberal media company. Um, they've always been skirting around the edge of it because they own so much that, you know, of course they're going to be in that conversation. But ABC News is not uh, called out by Trump as frequently as a lot of other networks. And Disney owns networks like ESPN that have a very large conservative uh, base. Yeah. So Mike Cernovich was basically able to convince Disney that like the masses of conservatives were going to be angry about this. I think this is the the saddest most angry most important thing to take away from all this is that this was a victory for people who are out to do really insidious 
despicable just spreading shit. fake news yeah i mean this is like a victory for fake news is what it is like Disney they're literally just and, they're making yeah. up fucking headlines and a man just lost his job i mean i i like it's it makes me just angry i know that james gunn's gonna be perfectly fine like i'm not worried about james gunn as, i think that he is like i would love to see like well, what the next james gunn film that isn't like a disney property yeah. is uh, well another happens. yeah another another big component of this is it's not one of those things like with a kevin spacey again because james gunn didn't actually do anything right. but it's not one of those things where afterward everyone is like yeah no you're he, done he no every, everyone after like k space or jeffrey tambor was like yeah no he's an asshole he's always been bad to work with oh like people co- yeah. coming out of the woodwork exactly. no, everybody's oh, coming okay. out and just being like james gunn's a great human being yeah. and he obviously like was wasn't intending any of those things that he said like very obviously yeah, he thought if you've he, ever met the guy he thought he was edgy and it's particularly worse because he's a white dude and it and 2008 internet was problematic the entire internet was problematic and it still is but back then offensive jokes were currency on twitter that was what twitter was for i mean even reddit right. like i've been on reddit now for like since like probably 2010 or yeah, so yeah. and like it's just that's what the internet was like and yeah, yeah it's it's not great but i mean that's just what yeah. it was yeah and it's good that it's not like that anymore and it's good that he's not like that anymore james gunn by People change yeah by everyone's <laughs> measures he has grown as a human being and his art has reflected that that and he's it, gotten better and it sucks that disney had the opportunity to recognize that yeah and totally yeah threw it away it's a joke this whole thing is a joke and it's it's really funny that they fell for this. Basically, they Disney fell for a trick. Yeah, and that's it's funny and it's sad. It's very sad. It is, but we got to move on. We'll we'll touch back on it when they announce the new director for Guardians of the Galaxy three, or when they like auto when they course correct and rehire James Gunn because of all of the backlash and everything. I already <sighs> have people like Dave Bautista saying that he's not working with anybody else except for James Gunn. No way, really? So, yeah, but he's contractually obligated. I mean, we'll see if he actually follows through <laughs> with that. It's probably get, a reactionary yeah. thing where he's just like, no, I'm working with James Gunn. But he get his agents we'll see if he to help him out. Can. All right. Well, that's it for the news. Let's get to some new music. Um, we have new music from Chance the Rapper. Chano. Four new songs dropped. We thought we were going to get a full album, but that was just a rumor. Um, but he did drop four new songs. Well, it's not a rumor because he said new music coming at you this Friday. And then everybody was like, oh, shit. New album. Or, no, he said, new album coming at you this Friday. And then he was just like, oh, well, the album's not ready yet, but here's like half of the album right yeah. here. Um, I'll start. I uh, I hope this isn't the album because <laughs> this really feels like throwaway music. It, it I am not I'm not vibing with it. I Damn. can't. The really? only the only song that I got into was 65th and Ingleside. That's I think that's the only one that's genuinely like uh, the closest thing to like a complete uh followed through thought i think the other three songs are very 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 weak um they feel like kind of half-baked ideas they feel like he started with something and then just didn't develop it out into some into a complete song yeah i see i don't i don't dislike this stuff like i i like it i like half of it a lot more than the other half i like 65th and ingleside and work out both of which sound like they could be. Yeah, on, workout is I solid. Love, I love workout. They both sound like they could be on Coloring Book. Basically, they they share the message. And then you have Wallacam, which is I do agree that's a throwaway. And then I might need security. That beat I feel like could have been so great because it's based on someone singing "fuck you." 
Um, Jamie Foxx, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a Jamie Foxx sample. Which is very much, you know, that's not the message of Coloring Book. But I, I mean, I love that. It's just, it doesn't seem like it was finished. It doesn't sound done. It reminds me of Surf. Um, but the other three songs I really like a lot. I love 65th and Ingleside. I love the beat in that song. It's just got this like very triumphant like choral. It is very coloring book in that sense that Yeah, extremely. It feels like Chance is just taking me to church again. Yeah, um, and thematically too. Workout, I really love that song. I love the little uh bridge part where Chance like sings and I mean you can just tell Chance is just like he's given this positivity that he's known for but now he has like a kid he's getting married and just singing about like how he hopes that everything works out between him and his wife and his kid with his ex-girls like he hopes that all of them like work out and i like um i might need security is growing on me more and more uh i love that the first half of that song is about basically about being a black man in chicago and like kind of like needing security because you never know like cops coming after you and everything else and the second half of that song is about needing relationship security and like just basically like calling out dudes who are just like uh like he says like if you call yourself a player you're a quitter like kind of like that whole thing like you need somebody in your life who's there for you emotionally and i think i think another theme that you could layer on top of that too is that he some of the shit he's saying in the lyrics will make him need more security because he's like calling people out yeah he calls out mayor Rahm Emanuel so it's like, oh, I might need security now because of the, some of the shit that I'm saying. Yeah. And like, I, I think that while the beats aren't necessarily like as top notch as they could be, I think that his lyricism is as good as ever in my opinion. Yeah, like, I, I mean, feel like his champ. his actual like his, but even like between his flow, his lyricism itself, like I really think that's top notch. The songs could be a little bit better, but I mean. I, I still like I wasn't upset by three of the four songs that were on here. Like Workout has been stuck in my head nonstop. Sixty fifth and Ingleside. True. Beautiful, beautiful yeah, beat. That's a great song. Um so yeah, flow is something I wanted to talk about leading into our next artist because Chance's little brother, Taylor Bennett, put out uh, like a six song, I guess, E P project and the flow is like Chance's defining characteristic for me. His flow and his lyricism because he can he has that kind of almost intangible thing of figuring out what the best cadence is on top of a, a beat. It's very percussive. It's like, you know, making your voice into a drum, which is one of my favorite things about rap in general. Uh, that's missing from Taylor Bennett's thing. <laughs> Taylor Bennett's EP, it's, I don't think it's like bad, but most of the songs are four chord hip hop poppy beats. Yeah. Nothing, nothing very characteristic there. And his flow is just sort of nonstop spitting out words for the entire song. Yeah, no, very rapid not fire. A, not a lot of switching it up within the song. Not a lot of... I, I just didn't, really didn't find this interesting at all, honestly. I didn't like it. I, I, I vibe with it pretty pretty well. Really? I, I don't think... I, I think the main difference between the Chan songs and the Taylor Bennett songs is that... I was expecting something more from Chance, and I was expecting something less from Taylor <laughs> so, Bennett. So, yeah, it's all about expectations yeah. going into so it. So, Taylor Bennett really impressed me. I was like, wow, this I'm really enjoying this music, and I thought it was going to bore me. Hmm. And then with Chance, I was like, this is really boring me, and I thought it was going to be fucking banger after banger. Hmm. So, it, it is about expectations, but I think that Taylor Bennett put out a really solid, just very simple, straightforward little EP and it's certainly enjoyable to my ears. And then with Chance, like, I just, I can't get into these songs. Like, I just can't get into them. Mm. Eh, I mean, 
I, I actually haven't had a chance to listen to the Taylor um, Bennett EP yet, but I'm just looking at a picture of him. It's funny because Taylor Bennett and Chance look like the exact same person. And they sound alike, they, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah they, I've, I've heard older uh, Taylor Bennett stuff. Um, it was uh, some mixtape that he released like a couple years ago where – I liked it, but it was almost like he was somebody doing a Chance the Rapper impersonation yeah. <laughs> because yeah. they're fucking siblings. It's, it's definitely better than his mixtape was. And it's like I said, I don't think it's bad. I just don't. There are not many adjectives I could use to describe it. It's kind of straightforward. And the whole thing with Chance is he is just out of this fucking world bananas. And it's not even fair to compare them. But with that said, if this were released under a random artist's name and it just dropped on SoundCloud, I do not think it would get any notoriety. No way. I don't think yeah. anyone would ever. Like, yeah. it's not It's not like a breakout, like, whoa, this guy is also good. It's not as it's very simple. Or an acid yeah, exactly. It's, like it's super simple. Um, like, a lot of the songs would start and I'd be like, oh, yeah, I like this. And then it would just, like, it'd be four minutes and nothing would change. What do you guys think of uh, Chance's cover art, though, for the songs? I, I like think it's it. It's really cool. I yes. really like it. It's got this whole, like, very like 80s kind of look yeah, to it simple shapes i yeah. just like semicircles and triangles so is this i it's a little bit of like theorizing here do you think that these singles are going to be the ones off of his wyoming record that's coming out because apparently he has three this projects does not in the sound right like now. a chance or like a kanye production that's why i'm just wondering because he apparently has three projects coming supposedly this Gambino, year i feel like chance and solo three is that what you're talking solo? about solo like a solo record. Yeah, yeah, Not like a like solo Ron album. Howard. Solo with Chance. <laughs> I was like, what? Chance story. <laughs> um, yeah, the Gambino Project, his own personal album, and then his Wyoming record. Yeah, with... we can't say the word solo anymore. Yeah. Ron, thanks, Ron Howard. I just associate it with Ron's face. God damn it. That's Fucking all Ron's fault. Ruined red cups no. for me. <laughs> um, so, okay. that Yeah, that's enough for, for music. That's kind of what we've been Do watching. You, uh, Okay, and if you guys want to take a break now or if you want to keep on... Keep Let's on get going. into a little bit of this. Um, okay. Who watched the new Sacha Baron Cohen show? D- did you, Ernest? I watched the clip, oh, the viral yeah, clip. So, yeah. Okay, so you've seen the best part. Yeah. <laughs> did you watch the pilot? Yeah, I did. Okay, did yeah. you watch it? Me too, yeah. What did so, you think? Who? Yeah, who is America? It's Sacha Baron Cohen's big return. Uh, obviously, he made Borat, which was like an iconic, iconic movie of it the 2000s. Huge. It was very influential on people that we love, like Eric Andre and Nathan Fielder's work. Um, because, you know, bringing a character into real life is something that not a lot of people do. Uh, and then he, you know, he made, he ended up doing a fictional movie, The Dictator, and it didn't do well. And then he's been gone, and now he's back. Don't forget Bruno. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, oh boy. Yep, yep. Let's just I, skip I right wanted over that. to forget that. And one. this. <laughs> This uh, so this show is on Showtime. It's a half-hour show that is very uh, political. He's taking his aim at American politics, which is something that could use. You know, I mean, everyone is taking their aim at American politics right now, but everyone was excited to see what Sasha Baron Cohen's going to do about this because in the Bush era, he put out Borat, and it mm-hmm. was a statement. It was a really big deal. Um, this show disappointed me a little bit. Um, I don't know what I expected. Uh. I I retweeted something recently that I think echoes exactly how I feel about the show, which is that it it intersplices clips of him dealing with essentially normal people who didn't particularly do anything, and he's fucking with them really heavily, and then clips of people who are in power and are bad people, and he's fucking with them heavily. Guess which air is a lot better? The the ones where he's messing with people who deserve it. Yeah. You know? Right. Uh, But there's, like, for example, there's a clip... He's playing a lot of different characters in this mm. show. Uh, and there's a clip in particular that really rubbed me the wrong way where he's 
he's playing this disabled war veteran or not a, no 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 that's sorry that's not the one the one uh, with bernie no 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 well that that one that one wasn't sucked. funny yeah that one was, was not so that's weird. how the episode opened up and it was just yeah. not funny. It, yeah it wasn't it's funny because so <laughs> no one got mad i think a big part of the recipe with sasha is people have to get pissed off or else he's just like just being a weird or else he's just a baby crying in the corner and no one's paying attention kind yeah. of right and so when people don't get mad like it's just like nothing is there so yeah i think that like my thing with watching the show because it's just such it's like a huge miss mixed bag for me where it's mostly negative things and i just wish that the show was either like smarter or funnier (laughs) like because whenever it's whenever it's nailing it like in the last segment it's fucking nailing yeah and it's it's so good and i'm like why can't you give me this all the time but instead we get segments where like he is like uh, ex-con and he's like doing yeah. art with his shit that, and it's see, more so like the thing is, is this isn't shit yeah, yeah. It, it's not making a statement or anything it's the statement is let's see how far like normal people will go to yeah. just be nice when there's a camera on them. that was that that's, was that's the only statement that's making that was the scene that really lost me the bernie scene was just nothing this scene bothered me actively it just goes on for so yeah, long he's, he's, too. he's an ex-con and like he you know his producers set up this meeting with an art gallery uh, lady and he's like I really think I got something here and he presents her a bunch of art that is made with his shit because he was in solitary confinement that could be really funny but the lady is really nice and she's trying to go along with it because there's a camera point in her face yeah and be- and because yeah and he's like he just he's presenting himself as a really vulnerable figure basically and it's just it's like the wrong kind of cringe. Yeah, it's it's not funny cringe. Like that's the whole thing about. I wish that the show is either smarter or funnier, just because like, I, or like the um before that we have the segment where um he's playing a like super liberal uh NPR guy like going to visit a conservative Trump voting household, which should be really funny. The opening of it, it's like really funny. It's him like riding a bike. He's just like, my name is so and so. Oh yeah. I'm a white <laughs> I'm a white liberal and sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's really funny. But yeah. then it like just goes on and it's talking about like how his wife like left him to go like fuck a dolphin. Yeah. And it's just any about how he makes his uh, daughter stand up when they pee to like avoid gender roles I, and stuff like that. It's, see, I really think that that scene would have aired so much better. But since Borat, things have changed, I think. And people now kind of know that at all costs, there should not be any film footage of them doing anything crazy. So I think people at this point are a little wiser than they used to be. Where like people used to get so fucking mad at Borat, you know? And I think that these people know better. They want to be mad. Like they hate it, this character, but they know better than to like kick him out of the house or whatever. And that is what would have been funny. But instead you just have these people sitting there biting their tongues while he's just giving these long monologues about like, how his daughter like has her period blood on an American flag and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, is there? An, do you think there's an opportunity for this show to like course correct as the I do season think, goes on? I do think so because like I mean, I I'm hoping that maybe is just like the first episode. Maybe as it goes on, they kind of find their footing a little bit more because I mean, Seems there's really a chance for this to random. really nail it as like great great satire. Like the last segment of 
I don't remember if that's the like. Yeah, this is showed, what went viral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the whole like the kindergartens, kindergartians yeah. with guns. That is oh, incredible. That's amazing yeah. that they got actual like senators and everything to be like, we should be arming three and four year olds. Here's these like stuffed animals with a fucking gun in them to yeah. shoot people. Because, well, it was mainly the one dude who actually like yeah. stood in front of a green screen and you know acted all this and shit then, out. And, and they tell people just like, oh, you know, like it's better for kids to arm them with guns because they don't think about morality, so they just shoot. They don't worry about whether a person. And actually did it and, yeah. and you're like Oh my god This it's, is horrifying No yeah exactly That's what I wanted The whole show to be Is like Cause that scene Felt very important And relevant And timely And everything that I wanted And then everything else Compared to that Was just not There Yet So whether or not It can course correct Depends on if they already Made the whole season Like we don't know Which they probably did Yeah exactly yeah. So, so it would have to be In the editing Um. Well that's Who is America On Showtime I have a Two quick things to talk about before we take a break. Um, one of them was on HBO. It was the new Robin Williams documentary called Come Inside My Mind. This was okay. Um, it's not great, but it's also not horrible. Um, I was expecting something a little bit more out of this, uh, but there is some great parts in it. Like We get some never-before-heard uh, Robin Williams interview segments, some testimonials about him talking about his youth and some of like the darkness and in, in, in inside of him and him dealing with like you know just being really consumed by uh this life of like fame so, and success and drugs was this a one-parter yeah okay good so did it did it clear up a lot there's a really big misconception that he killed himself just because he was depressed did it clear up that he had a degenerative brain disorder he actually they get into that briefly at the very very end okay. because the the bulk of the documentary is kind of covering his career so it spends a lot of time on him doing his stand-up stuff yeah um, before he became famous and then like him dealing with his newfound yeah. success it's, after he became famous yeah. so it's, it's just always bothered me that people just think he just offed himself but he had something that was slowly killing him yeah so it was like so i'm just gonna kill myself at the very very end of the documentary they do get into his death and they talk about how he had parkinson's yeah he had parkinson's and that kind of sent him on a little bit of a depression loop and then you factor in the fact that he was an alcoholic and he was dealing with addiction his mm. whole life and then you factor in like all this other sort of residual d degenerative brain stuff that happened to him yeah. linked to Parkinson's and not linked to Parkinson's. Yeah, but he had like some rare disease. It, essentially what started happening is that he his brain just start, stopped like really working right. Mm. And it, start, it started sending him like the wrong information. Yeah. Um, so it is sad that that ended in him yeah. killing and, himself. And it's, and it's sad how his whole life went because he was so fucking talented at everything like to to jump from being the best one of the best stand-ups to like the best actor is so no one no one does that you yeah. know what i mean like michael keaton jumped from being a pretty good stand-up to a pretty good actor to a, like bordering on great actor Keaton was a stand-up yeah he was on oh that, shit i think he was on snl for a season that's nuts <laughs> um but yeah, it's it, it almost makes me grateful that I'm not good at anything while I'm fucked up. <laughs> right? Because if you are, then you have no reason not to be yeah. fucked up all and the time. He, and he went through a, a phase of sobriety and he struggled hard with that. He really, and he got divorced and remarried so many times. So this, this documentary really kind of like opens up his private life a little bit and you get some interviews with like Billy Crystal. What is it on? 
HBO. I, I want to see this. Yeah, it's it's not amazing, but it is good if you kind of want to know a little bit more about. It's good what for the he, source material itself. Through. Yeah, the the film itself is not anything like. It's no Won't You Be My Neighbor where you're just like absolutely transfixed, but you are getting some good information as to like I almost feel what like, he went through. I mean, instead of it kind of encompassing like his whole career, I almost feel like it would have been a better story if it focused on like his later years and just like his own personal struggle with having this degenerative disease and kind yeah. of been more but a retrospective. Lot of, but a lot of that is sourced in his youth. Because he dealt with that while he was young. Like, when he was hanging out with, like, Belushi and, like, all that crowd, oh, yeah. he was doing so many fucking drugs oh, and, like, that, partying that, that all makes the sense. time. I mean, you know Ron Williams is a coke boy. There was one <laughs> part in this documentary that really kind of shook me a little bit. He was hanging out with Belushi the night that he OD'd. Oh, they were together fuck. and he talked to him and he talked about how like how fucked up Belushi was that night. Yeah, you got it. That's interesting. Actually. Yeah, I really want to. Yeah, because that um, Chevy Chase was with Doug Kenny the night that Doug Kenny killed himself when he was on cocaine. Like the SNL 70s crowd was toxic, literally yeah, wow. like they they all just like died or they were with someone who died. Um Really, really dark stuff. That's interesting. I actually really want to see this. Yeah, I, I recommend it if you're if you're just really interested in in this dark side of Robin Williams. I mean, he was a very beloved, beloved actor, and it's kind of sad that he's no longer with us. But if you generally want to know like the the rough shit that this guy went through, definitely recommend it. Um, the other thing that I got a chance to see is the director and the Jedi, which is the making of documentary of Star Wars: The Last Jedi. So I kind of had to. Um, bootleg this a little bit because I don't own the Blu-ray. You don't own the blue? Yeah. Oh my god. So this is on the Blu-ray of The Last Jedi. So I haven't gotten around to getting it but don't worry Ryan Johnson I'm gonna give you my dollars but if you you know if he's you, like dude Disney's struggling we just got we just fired James Gunn we're losing lots yeah, of money I here. definitely did not do this but if you just type in stream <laughs> something it comes up but this documentary man like everyone's been saying this but like we should be um, kind of a little, um, I guess, mad slash sad that we don't get special features like this anymore. And mm. because physical media is like not as big as it used to be. Yeah. And it's all about like digital media now and streaming. But man, there was a time when like people put work into these behind the scenes uh, documentaries. And this is a full length, like 90 minute documentary. And I recommend it so much this is an amazing documentary it got to me man like at the at the very end when you see what mark hamill and carrie fisher shooting that scene that they had together mm -hmm. and you think about how carrie fisher's gone and like all of the work that went into crafting this character because carrie fisher is leia so it's like you're we didn't just lose carrie fisher we also lost leia so it's like this scene just holds so much weight and you it's built up to this moment because the story the documentary tells is the story of Ryan Johnson taking on the biggest movie of his life and never, never having made something of this scale. And then Mark Hamill being handed this script of his most iconic character just being like completely changed. Like the, 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 um, clips, like the sound bites that the, 
Star Wars like fuckboys have been grabbing about how Mark Hamill hates mm-hmm. what Ryan Johnson did. They're from this documentary. Oh, really? Yeah, they're what when Mark Hamill's like really talking sincerely about like how much he disagreed with Ryan Johnson's vision and how at first, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he he's so honest in this documentary about like how he adamantly was not in agreement with what he was doing with Luke. And he was like, Luke is not a coward. Like Luke would never do this. But even so, even though he expressed all of that to Ryan, he still gave an amazing performance. And you, you get this out of this documentary that he disagreed entirely, but he trusted Ryan to do the job and to be able to put together the best possible film that he could. Um, and you know, you, it takes you through the whole process from pre-production all the way to the end. And I, I genuinely think that this is a great documentary. It's, it sucks that it's a special feature on a Blu-ray. Yeah. I wish that they would put it on Netflix or something, but True. it's amazing. I mean, I love that Ryan Johnson, you can tell that he's like, I mean, he's a bit older than us, but he's from the generation of physical media, like yeah. the beginning of DVD special features and he, he has an the appreciation dawn of Blu-ray, like, because like you said, I mean, that's a thing that, like, on the old Mission Impossible movies that I have, they have, like, all these special features and shooting of specific scenes on stuff, and you just don't get that anymore, yeah. especially with big-budget movies like Star exactly. Wars. Exactly. That's, that's another thing about this documentary is that you really get a really good insight of what it's like to make a movie of this scale. Yeah. To hire all of these extras, like the casino sequence in The Last Jedi, they built that whole set and filled it with extras. Dude, there are there are people in that sequence, there are creatures that I thought were CGI watching the movie. They're real creatures that they actually built and they are actually like, genetically <laughs> mutated. <laughs> Disney. Like little animatronic Disney shit. It was unreal so so good i could not recommend this enough it's all right it's i'll definitely have to check it out I'll check it out yeah but let's take a little breaky poo and when we get back speaking of poo we're gonna be talking uh what are we talking about we'll be right back Miss my workout, but it worked out. Now I'm missing work now, but it worked out. Had to buy a crib for up on my first house. Had my first kid, I love how she turned out. I love how she turned up, even if I'm burnt out. I'ma have so many seeds, I can have a bird house. Some love on a mama, I hope it worked out. I hope it worked out. Luckily, my ex ugly. I don't eat, so she can't get no lunch with me. I don't reach, so she can't get in touch with me. Can't be buds with me, don't know what to be. She gon' cuss at me. Told her give it a rest, so I keep custody. Keep it all side eyes inside hugs with me. I know that my girl's trust is a luxury. I don't want my next album sounding all ushery. But I must confess, I must confess. For every single ex, I want the best. I really wish you nothing but success. I know it's gonna work. Uh, yeah. So you know, how, how how you guys doing? You guys have any any fun stories to tell or anything cool going on? Anything happening? Well, I mean, and we're back. I've, <laughs> my depression's getting worse. Okay. You guys want to talk about that? You're burying it with Criterion. Yeah, I mean, at this point, like. I find the only thing that gives me happiness is physical media. 
I don't even watch it. I just collect it, and then sometimes I like to like throw it all on top of me and suffocate myself with it. Mm. It's my own like autoerotic. It's like it's it's like uh, Kevin in the leftovers with the, with the bag. Yeah. Is that the, is this the physical therapy you've been talking about? <laughs> you've been buying physical media. You gotta be fucking kidding me, Hunter. That's I'm doing it right. That's right? more expensive than physical therapy. I no, I think that this is right. It's about the same. Well, before we get into our physical media segment, Drew wanted to talk a little bit about that. About some fucking digital media. Oh yeah. Uh, sorry. Um. Yeah. Extremely <laughs> digital media. You fucking millennial. So, uh, we're all we're all fans of the Eric Andre show. I don't think we've really talked about it because it's been gone for like over a year now. Uh, hoping it comes back. There isn't definitive word on it. But in the meantime, he's trying to be a movie star. Yeah, and I I don't know. I feel like he's kind of outgrowing the whole like shitting on people in public thing. But uh, in the meantime, we have this new show on Adult Swim by a guy who writes and produces Eric Andre's show named Derek Beckles. Uh, he's extremely similar to Eric Andre, except I think he's white. Can't really tell, but uh, it's called Mostly for Millennials. This show. Uh, it is very, very, very similar to the Eric Andre show. Like it's almost. It's almost too similar. I would be more bothered if I didn't like Eric Andre's show in the first place. Mm-hmm. But essentially, the format is similar. It's a this time it is uh, supposed to be like a millennial-centered MTV show. Obviously, fake. It has a whole audience of young people who are definitely in on the joke. They're not like in shock at what's happening or anything. Uh, and then guests come in and they do these absurdist bits and they fuck with the guests a lot. Um, like they had in one episode an Instagram model on because you know millennial stuff, and then they had Steve Wilkos on, which is really funny because he's like a fifty-year-old conservative, and they're like millennial Steve Wilkos is here. <laughs> um, That's so Eric Andre. Yeah, it, and it's I mean it definitely shares the same absolutely like it. I'm I would honestly guess it shares the exact same crew as Eric Andre's show because mm, yep. the editing is identical. Um, it's almost like they wanted to make a new season of Eric Andre, yeah. but he just it doesn't have the it, time for it. It almost, yeah. yeah, it really kind of felt like that. It's so simple. The only thing is this different on Adult Swim, yeah, it's Adult Swim. Oh, yeah, the only so. thing different is the style of show that they're parodying. It's not like a late night talk show this time. It's like a weird millennial show, uh, and so there are updated bits regarding that. It's all absurdist. The editing is it's even faster and like more ridiculous and hard to follow than Eric Andre show. Almost too hard to follow, honestly. It was kind of disorienting at times. And then it does, it just like Eric Andre, it cuts to man on the street bits where he's like doing these, you know, absurd things that really have nothing to do with millennials at all. Just doing random shit in real life uh, to mess with people. And those are the things that are like it is interchangeable with the two shows like who it, Derek Beckles acts very similarly to Eric Andre they they have similar voices they're very similar Does to he wear silly costumes he yeah his costume for this show is insane it's like a spray tan and like a goatee that's dyed like Guy Fieri and crazy hair <laughs> and yeah it's it's crazy because he has people on and, and he's masquerading as a millennial show but then it's nothing like a millennial show did like, you watch it on youtube or no adult it, swim? i had the adult swim app oh, okay so you uh, watch like full episodes yeah it requires a cable login on that app is it like eric andre because eric andre is like 12 to 15 minute episodes it's the same is that, yeah. yeah it is okay. so similar like you'll you'll be watch if you like eric andre's show i feel like you'll like this 
uh, it takes a second to get used to it because I was almost feeling offended because I was like, you think I'm just going to watch another air? Oh, I guess I'm watching it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think it's as good. I definitely don't because Derek Beckles is no, no Eric Andre. Eric Andre is like, like a special talent. Yeah, does Eric opinion. Andre get like EP credit on this or something? I think he does. I think, I mean, he's been plugging it a lot on his Instagram. He's been saying, yeah, I've been, hey, I've been, yeah, he's been saying, check this out. It's, and I, I've watched like preview clips and I was like, oh, this is the same thing. Uh, and it is. Uh, the only difference is it's a big deal that there's an audience for this one because they, you know, they play into the bits a lot. And Eric Andre show doesn't have an audience. They just have cuts to shots of the fake crew that's, you know, uh, on the show. But you, you'll be shocked with how much DNA it shares. It's just a different format, but everything else is I'm, similar. I'm looking up what Eric Andre is working on, and he doesn't really have any upcoming things. No. The only thing I'm seeing is this show called Disenchantment, which yeah, is a the, Matt Groening show on Netflix. Yeah, so yeah. he's doing voice work. But, I mean, if you see his Instagram, he's extremely – he's doing everything. Like, he's so active. He's doing a lot of different – just, like, real-life things, not in entertainment. Yeah. Right. Uh but I man, I hope he comes back because honestly, so do I. I mean, he's such a like. It takes a very, very special and unique comedic mind, like whether it's Eric Andre or Tim and Eric or like those kind of minds, like the old Steve Brule show. Like, yeah, not everybody can do what they're doing. Where it's like, it's this new level of dumb humor where it's actually like fucking genius. Like yeah. it takes a special type of person to be able to do that. Yeah, and yeah, and a lot does hinge on Eric. That I think that's the main pitfall of this show is it is not starring Eric Andre because Derek Beckles is funny, but he's he's not as good. He's not as likable off the bat where people inherently. Like, but it he, doesn't come off as him trying to copy exactly what. No, it, it does. But that I kind but it of, works. Well, I kind of forgive that because he's the whole show is well, because copy. because Derek produces Eric Andre's show. So he's not copying him. He's just taking what he may have invented and right. bringing it somewhere else. Okay. I don't know how involved he was with the Eric Andre show, but it seems like he was heavily. So do, do, are we thinking that maybe this might be a whole sub genre? <laughs> I don't know, TV man. Now it's just. I think that Eric Andre show might be running into these pitfalls of it's. It's almost season four was a really big leap for it in terms of popularity, and now I think people know who he is, and I think they know what he, can't he does do it anymore. Yeah, and people, you know, you, we thought that for season four as well. Like, how are these people falling for it? But it was mostly low profile guests. That's how they were falling for it. Their manager isn't like a very smart manager. Yeah. Uh, so I think he might be running into issues like that. And I think Derek Beckles is a good substitute because no one knows who Derek Beckles is. So it's, it makes a lot of sense that adult swim would be having a show aimed at millennials. That's a talk show. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's almost a better masquerade, but a worse show. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. That's mostly for millennials. Now, let's get into a little segment I like to call... Mmm, media. Crack and crite. That was... <laughs> That was good. That was all right. Yeah, that sounded well, just like a, a well, Blu-ray. <laughs> that, that was taking the cellophane <laughs> off, of the, off of the Blu-ray. That was That's ASMR. our new soundbite. If you guys haven't noticed, we got a soundboard now. Yeah. Let's just go ahead and repeat that one more time to prove to the audience. We'll, that we we'll repeat it at the end of the second. Okay. All right. Okay, let's get okay. into it. Um, two movies. You watch one. I watch one. So okay. you want to start? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, so I busted out uh, one of the criteria. We've talked before about uh, Barnes and Nobles had a uh, Burns and Nurbles, as I called them, um, had a are currently having a big old Criterion sale right now, 50% off. They have like two of those a year, don't they? Yeah. 
twice a year it happens they basically mark them down to like their prices on amazon if not lower than a couple bucks because they're like twenty dollars a piece but i got myself a barnes and noble uh membership so they're like 17 dollars a piece so i bought like eighteen thousand of the criterion bought the whole collection yeah you bought the whole collection um wiped out barnes and noble and i uh decided to uh watch night of the living dead which I've seen Night of the Living Dead a couple of times, like especially whenever I was younger, I was really into like horror and everything else. I enjoyed watching that, um, but I haven't revisited it in years and years. And like, it was far before I ever like started really thinking about films in like a seriously critical kind of way. Um, this movie really holds up for the most part for being a movie that's fifty years old. It came out in nineteen sixty eight. A lot of this movie does hold up really well and the thing that uh has most to its benefit is that this is more so a movie about how the human psyche uh cracks under under extreme pressure than it is a zombie flick like this movie all takes place because this is an independent film it's made for like a hundred thousand dollars if that or something it has a really low budget but it was made all pretty much shot for the most part within this one house and it's about these random humans who are trying to escape the outside world where there's this zombie uprising that's happening they run into this house together and kind of how these different personalities uh clash with each other how there becomes this like domineering sense of masculinity over who's going to be the leader of the group and everything else and it starts to tear them apart from the inside despite the fact that they have fucking monsters coming at them from the outside um this it's very very creatively done in that you are put in the position with these characters the whole time where you don't know i mean put yourself in the mindset especially because now we've had all this zombie galore and the media and everything else but put yourself in 1968 this is like the first zombie movie the word zombie isn't even said in this movie um and you're kind of there with these characters and they don't know how to kill them they're like trying to fight them and it's not really doing anything so they're boring up these houses and it's cleverly done how they do exposition in this movie where they just have a like radio or a tv broadcast on the background for the most part and they'll just like get these updates every now and then where they'll come in there and they'll be like everybody stay inside they say that uh you have to like uh hit them in the head or shoot them in the head is the way to kill them and then it goes on to be like um if you have somebody who has been killed or anything like they will reanimate within a matter of minutes this kind of thing because coming into this house there was a little girl who got scratched or bitten by a zombie and they just kind of have this in there this creature in the house with them like this ticking time bomb that's going to eventually come attack them from the inside um this it's i won't say like it's 100 percent holds up like a lot of people say that this is like oh my god this could come out today no it couldn't <laughs> um it is a lot of it is very corny. Uh, one of the things that's really funny about it is in 1968, people didn't really know how to shoot action well yet. Like action filmmaking wasn't a thing yet, right. so it's lots of that's... smash cuts, pow, <laughs> snap, and you're like, that's not the noise that something like that makes, <laughs> or even like how that looks at all. It's it's kind of funny watching it now, but um, some of the cool shots. Uh, coolest shots or whenever you'll see like a severed head that's like rotting and stuff like that like that genuinely looks really cool Hereditary. and the fact that it's shot <laughs> the fact that it's shot in black and white really aids to that I feel like um, 
it's I, I definitely like I can't recommend this movie enough. There are some things that also haven't aged well. Like there's a point where um it's the main protagonist just like fucking knocks a woman out like just a woman like slaps him and so he just punches her in the face and like literally knocks her unconscious and you're like wow okay that's not a thing that could happen oh, in today's films james but, gunn over here <laughs> uh-oh. but the coolest thing about this movie is this was made in 1968 this is like towards the end of the civil rights movement and everything and fucking george romero in his first film has a black man as the leading protagonist our hero that we follow throughout the whole story in a predominantly white cast which is like so so fucking cool of him that he was able to take this kind of a severe risk and this movie did get like a little bit of like backlash and hate for it of course because it had an african-american lead in such a diversive time in the country yeah divisive time yeah i yeah i mean i if you haven't seen this movie uh, I definitely recommend it. The Criterion is gorgeous because it's actually restored by MoMA, by the Museum of Modern Ooh, Art. So like, sick. it is it is so so beautiful. Um, I'm glad that they stuck with the classic black and white because there's been other restorations they of this try movie. To color it. Where they try and color it in, but I think that it it really just like helps put you in the mindset and almost takes you back in time watching it in black and white. Right, right. You really feel like you're in the civil rights movement. Yeah, you're yeah. there with the zombie. You yeah, remember MLK. ML- MLK zombie? Dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I, uh, I can't wait to check out more classic films. Like, that's something I need to do for sure. You know, pre anything pre-70s, like, it, my my knowledge is very shaky Let's just have, that. like, a Sydney yeah. Lumet series. Yeah. Like, a sub-podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah, for yeah. sure. We'll set up a Patreon Dude, for it. Dude, fucking network, man. I keep yeah. saying Network is one of the greatest films ever made. Is, is there a criterion for Network? I don't know if there is, actually. There That's a good be. question. You um, don't it's know? Just, it's... <laughs> Dude, I did buy the almost, full collection. There's almost a thousand be. films in the Criterion collection. I think there's over a thousand films. Oh, there, there, there are over a thousand? Be. I don't know. I mean, because there's a lot of things where they have, like every olympic games over like the course of 50 years and but that's just like one one no like that's just like one oh, thing so you're like i mean in total that's like well over a thousand but Damn. um yeah i i can't recommend this movie enough it's really it i mean it defined a genre and it really bridged the gap between classic horror things like dracula um I almost said swamp people, but you know, I'm just, <laughs> uh, shape of water to like the newer, uh, yeah. modern horror films. Well, it wouldn't like it, the, all of the zombie cliches wouldn't be anything without night. of the Living Yeah. Dead. I mean, night of the living dead started all. I mean, I've also seen like day of the dead, dawn of the dead. I kind of want those all George Romero. Those. Yeah. Yeah. Romero oh, okay. did like all of the, RIP, of the man. dead movies. RIP. Yeah. Um, okay. So I cracked my first criterion. Oh shit. Um, oh shit the before trilogy nice. so i've i had already seen this film but i got a chance to see the criterion yeah version. If, if you don't know these this is a trilogy of movies by richard linklater who's yeah. an incredible writer and incredible this is filmmaker. probably his magnum opus like i fucking love school of rock mm. and i'm a huge fan of boyhood but these three films a, a lot of people say are like his best work um so i had already seen before sunrise I haven't seen Before Sunset and Before Midnight, so I, I'm looking forward to seeing those and talking about those. But this one I had already seen, um, but 
I just I loved revisiting it and and watching it for a second time and seeing it on a nice Blu-ray projection Criterion edition. It, it was gorgeous. And this movie, if you haven't seen it, I can't recommend it enough. It's so it's near flawless. It's just the only thing that ma- that makes it not flawless is the fact that like two strangers would meet in a train and decide to spend the night together after just meeting each other in a strange city. That's the only thing that there's like, hmm, really? Would you would you do that? Would you risk yourself? Your Dude, safety? back in the 90s, everyone just like died. <laughs> yeah, they're like, everybody was just more open and vulnerable every, than... Every person died in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, this is a masterclass in filmmaking on every level. It's gorgeous like the 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 look of vienna like the, it was all shot in vienna it looks beautiful and then you have this amazing script by link later um that's just a conversation it's yeah. just two people he's, talking to each other he's such an underrated writer i know i need to watch these because my favorite yeah. movies are ones that don't take you on a physical journey they take you on an emotional one without even bringing you anywhere mm. because uh he did dazed and confused in 93 yeah. mm. oh that's yeah. i love that movie yeah. and it's because of his script like nothing happens and yet you feel like everything just happens it's just people dazed and confused is just people hanging out yeah yeah, it's just hanging and yet out. Yeah. It feels like the most but, important thing in the world. I yeah. mean, and that's kind of what he's perfect at doing, in my opinion, is taking these like ultimate slice of life stories where it feels like these are all very real people. I mean, Boyhood is the most pure example of that because it's literally these people that are followed throughout years and years. Yeah. But he's it feels very organic. Like he just dropped it at this one point in their somebody's life and then picked up this point and then put it on to film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what he did with this trilogy. And also. yeah, and bef- with the before trilogy, the first one is in 96, the second one is in 05, and the third one was in 2013. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's right. I may be a couple of years off, but it's this couple that starts out as this young in love couple and you know we'll we'll get to the other two when i see them but this film is just all that's all it is it's about young love it's about like two people just meeting for the first time and talking about it, all of their conversations revolve around relationships and companionship and and feeling this fear of regret because that that is one of the biggest themes it's like i think the reason why Ethan Hawke's character is really able to convince Julie Delpy's character to join him on this night together in Vienna is because he the way he pitches it is like think about the person you're going to be when you're 20 30 years older than you are now are you going to regret not doing this are you going to regret the fact that you didn't do some careless youthful thing with some dude on a train it's like it's a crazy thing to do but Ethan Hawke's character is just like this kind of like cocky, slightly slimy guy that just like has this kind of heart of gold deep inside of him that you just kind of like want. I mean, Ethan Hawke is God level. Yeah. (laughs) He's an incredible actor. Yeah. So So it's this is this is definitely a masterpiece. It's fucking amazing. Beautiful direction. The, The way Linklater is able to frame these two characters together it feels like they're improvising their lines. It really, you never get a sense that they're acting. It really seems like they're genuinely like making this dialogue up as they go along. And it's all like to the T from the script that he wrote. It's amazing. There's one shot in particular that's a one take where they they play kind of like a 20 question sort of deal where they're just like asking each other really kind of 
honest personal questions it's all one take camera doesn't move just stays on a two shot it's magnificent and there's a lot of moments like that where it's just raw emotion acting it's incredible it's magnificent wow. i mean i i i i have to see these movies like i i really uh i i don't actually own the criterion for this one yet. That, that, that was the one I, I I got all of them except for this one. Yeah, but fuck. um, it's a box set and it's it's a gorgeous box set. Yeah, I I do like. I, I wish the, the the cover it's kind of like I like looked at it, and I was like oh really that's what they're going for yeah like, it's for like a trilogy? weird like painting illustrated just type like thing some like colors and yeah. shit but I I really I can't wait to see this movie especially since uh, I mean we talked about first reformed on the podcast mm-hmm. but I mean. Ethan Ethan Hawke, this could be like Ethan Hawke's year, so I kind of want to go back through and just kind of revisit some of his best roles. I really hope, yeah. We'll see what other performances happen this year, but I I think he's a shoo-in for the Oscar. Mm. But this has been... Media's good. Mm. American Cry. That was me putting the cellophane back on the cry. Yeah, <laughs> to, to preserve its value, of course. Yes, yeah. you don't want to unwrap it. You yeah. just want to keep it on the shelf. Yeah. You got to never watch it. Yeah, you got to. You buy, have like, to <laughs> later on asphyxiate yourself by suffocating yeah. yourself in all of your. Media. I I laminate all my physical media <laughs> and I never use it. Um. Okay. So it's a it's a bad week for theater movies. Uh, we didn't. Hey, man. No, you know what? Actually, <laughs> shut up. We just didn't communicate with each other, so we reviewed yeah different titles. Yeah, so we we have a grab bag here. So we all went and saw a different movie. We divided and conquered. We did what you're supposed to do in every horror movie: split up, as you know. Um, and I didn't even go and to the. You went back in time. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even go to the theater. I I opened my refrigerator and I got sucked in, and all of a sudden I'm in 1995. And I went straight to the movies because we had a pod to do. I don't. I'm not. I don't fuck around. <laughs> fucking around. Uh, and I watched Clueless because uh, I've been wanting to. I've been wanting to watch more like like girl comedies lately. Uh, because when you're like a little boy, there's like a stigma against watching these, mm-hmm. and they're just fucking hilarious. Like I've, I've always loved Mean Girls. Oh, Mean Girls is amazing. Um, I love that movie. This I did not understand. Like when I watched this movie, I was like, oh, Mean Girls is just doing Clueless. Like it's have you guys seen this? Clueless? No. I no, I never I, have. It's actually. absolutely insane. It is. It's essentially a movie about Regina George, um, which is why it could not be made today. Uh, I think we are wiser as a culture, and we no longer aspire to be that type. The we, mean girl. We yeah. know. Yeah. Even though they make her very uh, sympathetic, and they make you understand her, we just as we don't want to be like a white blonde rich girl anymore. At least in our our films reflect that. Like that's not who we're making our movies about. Um, but this movie, it's it's almost hilarious how '90s this movie is. Like it's like it's as if they were doing Dazed and Confused, where that movie is in it's in the '90s, but it takes place in the '80s. Mm-hmm. It's like they intentionally were trying to make this like a throwback movie for 20 years from now. Like, it, like a time capsule. It's, Look at yeah. this photo. It's, it is, it's like, yeah. This is the most 90s thing I've ever seen oh, in my outfits. life. Yeah, yeah, just these it's, outfits. It's just it's the most, like <laughs> all the references they pepper in, it's like it was written in 2010 to, to be a 90s movie. Mm-hmm. It, and that made it a lot better to watch now because it just, it, it blew my mind with the references they're making. Like right off the bat, they're talking about like Nine Inch Nails and like the cranberries and all this stuff. Um, 
<laughs> there is a performance in this movie, an extended performance at a party by the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Oh, dope. Whoa. Hell yeah. There's some ska it's, in there. It's unbelievable. And it's one of those movies uh, that launched like 20 different people's careers. Yeah, I saw Turk is in here. Yeah, Turk from Scrubs, Alicia Silverstone, Brittany Murphy, rest in peace. Yeah. Um, uh, Paul Rudd is amazing in this movie he's not so this is definitely pre-wet hot right yeah, yeah. Wet hot is 2000 yeah it's like four or five years before wet hot and he's playing uh like he's not playing like an absurd comedic character he's playing like a straightforward slightly comedic love interest character and he's great man like he's he's just always been awesome he's also always looked like he's about 38 like <laughs> paul rudd at 20 38 paul rudd at 45 38 <laughs> forever 38 um but yeah, this this movie more than anything for me it functioned as like an it's not like obviously not a pure understanding of what the 90s were like like it wasn't actually like what this high school was like but viewing the lens of like why this movie was so iconic in the 90s makes so much sense like this is where our culture was we wanted movies like this it's about alicia silverstone who does an incredible job as this ditzy character who's trying to do good essentially um there are no big stakes in this movie at all. It's a high school movie, like Mean Girls. There's nothing huge in Mean Girls. Like, there, no one's dying or whatever, except Regina at the end, you know, gets hit by a bus. But uh, but what I mean about the Regina thing is literally in this movie, uh, this Alicia Silverstone takes in a redhead uh, new girl character and, like, gives her a makeover and she becomes more popular than her. Oh, yeah. It's that's... Crazy, yeah. It's and, it's not like an impression. It's yeah, like the Tina same. Fey was like, yeah, I want to do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think Mean Girls is based on a book, and I think the book is a ripoff of Clueless, oh, okay. a straight ripoff of Clueless. Um, this is by the woman who directed this. Also made Fast Times at Richmond. Yeah, I was High. I was about to say Amy Heckerling, uh, written written and directed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's really cool how she like she really got a lot of high school right, despite the fact that she was about forty when she made this, but. Uh, I mean, my favorite part about this was the different clicks that you see. It's just absolutely hilarious. There's like, there, you know, there's the classic scene where they're walking around the quad, and she's like, "This is them. This is them." Oh. And this, the um, skateboard characters are unbelievable. Like, they're, they're stoners, and they all wear like appropriating black culture shit. They're all wearing like reggae clothes Jeez. and stuff. Um, Brecken Meyer plays a huge role in this. Uh, you mean it's which is hilarious. He's so like ugly and goofy in this movie and he went on to as we all know become iconic in franklin and bash our, our of course the favorite show our of boys. the pod. <laughs> um but yeah this this movie if you want to understand what the 90s were like this is pr- probably a good starting point not in terms of obviously this is a movie about very privileged people but that's what the 90s were like that's yeah. what we all wanted to be yeah is, it's like it's this whole aspiring we, yeah, culture to this yeah we all wanted to be rich and dumb is there anything that like very obviously just doesn't hold up at all um some of the i think early on in the movie i was really struck by the writing didn't take me but then Eventually, it just gets you. This is a well-executed movie on pretty much all levels. The the, uh, the jokes are good. Yeah, the cinematography is perfectly fine. Like it's not going to be a scene stealer because it's not supposed to be at all. And it's it's not all the jokes land, but I was really surprised at how many of the jokes were still very funny and basically relevant. Like if you just switch the references around, you could get a current movie out of this. Fun, uh, fun, couple fun facts about Amy Heckerling. Did you know she also uh, directed National Lampoon European Vacation? Yeah, and then she made Look and, Who's Talking. Yep, <laughs> and that, Look Who's Talking. Oh, yeah, too. Look Who's Talking yeah. and Look Who's Talking too. And she also uh, directed the. 
an episode in the first season of The Office, and she's actually a producer on The Office. Yeah. She directed a Hot Girl. Yeah, Amy Amy Heckerling. And another fun fact, we share a birthday. Okay, huh. well, that's... Hey, she also did Night at the Roxbury. I think oh, that she... God. Oh, did she? Yeah. I didn't see that. I, I think, passed right over that one. I think that in modern times, if if she had come in in like, like this year and made a movie like Fast Times, which was her big breakthrough... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that she would have had a very different career because I think we now promote women a lot better than giving them like look who's talking or whatever. Like I think she would have been she would have gotten a big property. Yeah, it's kind of a little um just unfortunate that Clueless is kind of this um just diamond in the rough of like female <laughs> you know writer directors pre 21st century yeah there weren't many yeah like she was able to make this film on her own kind of creative terms yeah and what other female filmmaker can you yeah that's i mean what yeah what happened is she went to like all the right schools she went to nyu or something like tish and she had all the credentials and she just couldn't break through and she was like i'm just gonna do it all myself and she made fast times and it was a mega fucking hit uh I haven't seen Fast Times. I really want to. That's a great movie. Despite the fact that Sean Penn is hard to look at. (laughs) Evidently a bad person. Yeah. Uh, He doesn't look like a high schooler, though, does he? I mean, this was a common thing back in the day where they would cast, like, 25-year-olds. Yeah, Yeah, and they're like, yeah, you're 16. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The cast in this mostly look pretty high schoolish. Except for Paul Rudd. There's this one character who comes in, and he's he's like the new guy who's, like, sweeping her off her feet, and he's so funny looking like it does not it plays as comedy even though it's supposed to be like wow look at that stud and i really wonder what happened in the past 20 years that this guy is it's so what did um what did you watch this on vhs i had to find a rip vhs (laughs) so vhs yeah it's just on like laserdisc or something (laughs) vhs.putlocker.com um stream vhs yeah exactly but i honestly really really enjoyed this movie i did not expect to like it well i did expect to like it but i didn't expect the comedy to play as well as it did i like movies like this just as a time capsule in itself and that is the main function of this movie but it's a good movie if you're one of the 12 people out there that has a stars subscription it's on there great oh Sweet. Yeah. There's, I'm not one of those people, but yeah, good I'm, for them. I imagine it's hard to clear it for streaming because of all the music used in it. Oh, you think I, that you think that's a factor I, in these things? I just found out that that's why Larry Sanders show isn't anywhere. Oh shit. Because they used a lot of music that they just can't clear. Mm, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um but yeah, that's that's all I got to say about that. Clueless, check it out. Fit 20, 27 years ago. Yep. Okay. <laughs> um so I went to go see the biggest movie of the weekend. Um, I went to a, uh, it was a 12.50 p.m. showing of this movie to a sold-out theater. I had to pay $10 in surge fees on MoviePass. I got the very last seat. I had to sit in the very front row. And then I realized that there was only two other people in the theater with me. So You got surged? No, I didn't get surged. Oh, okay. but <laughs> So I saw this movie. That'd be so fucked up. <laughs> I saw this movie, and there was one other couple in the theater with me, and then that was it. And it was in one of AMC's, like, giant theaters, too. So it was, like, oh, it was almost, like, sad. creepy just being there, like, pretty much by myself. Um, I saw Unfriended Dark Web. It's so, not the Dark Web? No, it's just Dark Web. Huh. Cut the the. Um, so little bit of a background. I never saw the first unfriended. 
Oh, so you're missing um, out on all the sweet old backstory. Of no, that. I'm not. Um, because the thing about the first time friended is like, I won't say it was like a good premise. Like it didn't like enthrall me or anything, but I thought that was genuinely interesting until I learned that the twist of unfriended spoilers for the first unfriended movie is that there's a ghost in the computer. That's stupid. Yeah, which is fucking stupid. You have the computer. You have all this technology in your hands, like, and you're going to leave it up to like supernatural shit. Like, that just seems so dumb to me. Um, but then Unfriended Dark Web premiered at uh, South by Southwest this year, and it was actually getting like genuinely pretty positive reviews, like, despite the fact that the marketing for it looks horrendous. Oh, yeah. Um, it was getting some pretty good reviews, so I was interested by it. Um, I decided to go check this out, and like, this is a genuinely like a pretty entertaining movie. Like I actually had a really good time with this. This isn't going to like break the genre or anything, but it's pretty fascinating to watch. I thought that the whole looking at a computer screen for those of you who don't know, the whole shtick of it is that you're watching like a screen grab of a Mac screen for 90 minutes. Like it's all taking place on a computer yeah, screen that, that you're watching. See that concept I think is brilliant and I think could make good movies and I think that this movie for the most part really it really relishes in this playground like everything that would be used as a major creative wall it uses to its benefit and anytime that there's something that you don't see it leaves this feeling of uneasiness in you which is exactly what was intended um I would I wouldn't say that this is like a full-on horror movie. I would probably call this more of a technological thriller than a horror movie, just because Black Mirror esque. It's very, very Black yeah. Mirror esque. Um, it's very much just about dangers of technology. Like, there's no like jump scares really. There's one like jump scare just because it's like a tension filling scene, and you're like ah, just because it's a surprising moment. But that's there's one in the entire movie. The rest of it's just all uneasiness. Um. Sure, it's full of, like, tech hacker mumbo-jumbo, but you kind of just have to buy into it. And, like, I did buy into it because this is all taking place from on a computer screen. So you're getting into it. Um, it's where the movie goes. Um, it gets pretty dumb in, like, the last 15 minutes. Uh, there's actually... They've released the studio has put out two endings to the movie that, depending on what showtime you go to, you get a different ending. Um what do you guys yeah it's like almost like clue back in the day how they would release different endings in different theaters what yeah but that plays into the concept of clue yeah i'm not what sure why exactly of... well i mean do you guys just want me to get into spoilers yeah, do you have any I I desire yeah. to see spoilers for unfriended 2 now it's not unfriended 2 it's just unfriended dark web okay. so basically the main story for this movie is this guy um he steals somebody's laptop that's like left at this coffee shop that he works at or frequents that's left unclear but he a laptop is left in the lost and found so he takes it home with him because he needs a new laptop and he realizes whenever he's on there that this guy who has this is like somebody who like literally like he kidnaps women and like trades them to people on like the dark web on the internet. Jeez. Yeah. No, it gets fucking dark because they're like trying to look through it and they're like, I is this like, a, is this a member of ICE? So it's a, it's a U.S. <laughs> federal government agent. Yes. Um. No. Uh, no, but it's like these people, and it actually is like really cool how they visualize this whole thing about um 
you go down the dark web or anything, they have this thing called the river, which it basically looks like like a mine. The screen turns into like this Minecraft looking river thing that you go down, and then there's these like chats with uh these different users that'll be like Sharon four, Sharon eight, and Sharon is like um in like old mythology, he's like this uh god-like creature that like escorts you from like life to death and everything else and that's like these like overseeing beers and like that's it's just like that's not literally who it is it's just like these like users that just go by these different code names with each other um anyways things escalate and the uh the guy keeps getting the guy who's the main protagonist keeps getting these messages from random people like asking them about these different things they realize that he is not the person who actually owns that laptop and so the guy is just like threatening he's like look like i literally am tracking like where you are i know where your girlfriend is that you're talking to and one of the things that adds to a lot of suspense is the main protagonist's girlfriend is deaf in this movie so like she can't hear things coming behind her, things like happening around her. And you just kind of have to sit there and watch it. Um, while this is happening, uh, the whole reason why all these friends are on Skype together is because it's like game night or whatever. And they're like, oh, we're just going to do game night at home because, you know, we don't have to go out and ride subways and everything else. So they're all like talking on the webcam and everything. I don't want to like dwell on the story too long. What but, game are they playing? Um, it starts Fortnite? out with like Cards Against Humanity. They're, they're like, playing Cards Against Humanity over Skype? Yeah. It makes sense. You know how you do with your friends? That's what um, we do. Yeah. <laughs> you know when you don't ever meet your friends in real life? No, but I mean, I will give like genuinely good credit to the actors because that takes good acting to just have a camera pointed at you for 90 straight minutes. And you have to basically be breaking the fourth wall the whole time. Like you're just facing straight towards the camera, like acting. And it all feels they're, very organic. They're and, on Skype for the entire movie? Um, the lead protagonist is. Whoa. You pretty much are always seeing his face. Like, his webcam is always on. Oh, um, things uh, escalate, and uh, this hacker is starting to kind of come after them. And then the other hackers realize that that's not him. So they're going after these people who are playing the game and are killing them, like, one by one. Some in more creative ways than others. Sometimes it's just like, oh, come on, whatever. It's very like horror movie cliche, groups splitting up from each other, that kind of shit. Um, the twist of this movie is that uh, the person whose laptop uh, was quote-unquote stolen uh, was in on it the whole time, and it was actually the hacker's game night. Whoa. They were they were just wanting to kill all these people. Oh, so it was like Jesse Plemons because, in game night? Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Huh. Um, um, no, but I mean... Oh, I, sorry. Spoilers this... for Game Night. <laughs> <laughs> They're the same thing. Game Night and Unfriended Dark Web. Those circles are like on top of each other. If you've seen one, you've seen the other. Mm. Um, I, yeah, I mean, this movie, it was pretty good. Um, I was actually Probably like... like I was top three of the year. Top three of like <laughs> the fucking two centuries. Um, the two centuries. Yeah, that's a term. Um, no, I mean, it's this isn't going to, like, change the game of horror or anything, but it was a really solid entry, and I, like, you know, I had a good time with it. Like, I, it was really creative. I kind of, yeah, I kind of buy this concept as something that's not just a gimmick 
seeing as I, if we live our entire life on a computer, then why wouldn't there be a movie on a computer? And it also it makes sense because like it it really left this like extremely unsettling feeling with me because knowing that like yeah okay this is a movie and still but still like we're always being watched and people do have access we sacrifice every day um real security and privacy for the sake of convenience like everybody just flies through those terms and conditions hits accept without actually reading anything like we're not realizing what exactly it is that we're giving up it's funny because there's actually a character in the movie who is uh really like anti like he doesn't use like facebook like he's very like off the grid tries to be off the grid and everything and how they do his death scene is fucking incredible like it's one of the coolest things that i've seen in a movie in a long time um they basically he has his own like podcast where he does like liberal polititalk kind of things and they take different youtube clips that he has and they splice little parts of it together and they do a call to 911 and they put it together basically saying i have a gun and i'm gonna shoot up all these things like just splicing up different things so the the cops show up to his house and he has a he has speakers set up that are connected to bluetooth they hack the bluetooth and make the sound of a shotgun being locked and then cops come in they shoot him up and you just fucking watch it Okay, I'm going to be honest. It's so Shit. fucking yeah. cool. I'm going to be honest. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, no, it's like one of the most <laughs> creative things I've ever seen. Like, yeah. I was like, that is that is so, yeah. so cool. Uh, yeah, see, I really think that this premise has potential. I'm interested in this movie. I'm not going to be super... The, okay, here's the problem. You take the name Unfriended. That's bad. Yeah. You add a colon, and then you add dark web that's horrible <laughs> i'm in the I, marketing add, for it is horrendous you yeah. add another it's, colon you add day of the soldado yeah <laughs> now i'm back in it's a roller coaster at that point but you gotta you gotta put soldado at the end because that that name is fucking bad unfriended in the first place that's probably how you sell it you know it has to have like a cute little web name but like holy shit because I love that premise. And when the first one came out, I remember being like, well, that's probably going to be a waste because the idea is there. And then I bet the movie's going to suck. Well, there's another movie with uh, John Cho coming out where he's like tracking his stolen daughter. or something. It's like taken, but on a webcam or something. So this is becoming like a like a shtick. So we'll see more directors like attempt this uh, and see, you know, what creative things they can do with it. I have no idea what this movie is called. I. I don't know um, what I should look up to find it, but it's John Cho, and it's coming out this year. Yeah, I mean, this guy who made this, uh, Steven Susco, he's done, like, a lot of horror work. He's done some stuff with uh, um, with Blumhouse. He was actually a writer on the first two Grudge movies back in the day. He was also a writer on the Texas Chainsaw 3D movie, so <laughs> skip right over is, that is one. This movie, but... Do you think this movie's going to make enough money for an unfriended three? I mean, it's possible. Dude, Blumhouse has the most genius, like, marketing. The way that they do this. Like, this movie was not expensive to make. Fucking, um, what's her name? Uh, Gabrielle, uh, from, uh, Get Out. Um, Betty Gabriel is in this uh, movie. Oh. She's the only actress of note. Hmm. The only actor of also note in this entire in movie. Also in Westworld. Yeah. Um. The John Cho movie's called Searching. Okay. Um. <laughs> Neat. That's, that's, that's also... slightly better than Unfriended, I guess, but I don't know. Still, I'm I don't like these like yeah. web names. Um, but I mean, when you think about like how cheap this movie was to make, it's it's funny. I was listening to an interview with Steven Susco, and uh, he was talking about directing this movie. It was very like it was so different from him because one, this is essentially an animated movie. Like you're anim- like um... you're with the the way that mouse works, and it's 
kind of interesting to watch is like a slice of our time that we live in now that the on the screen at one point you'll have like three different apps going and he was talking about whenever he was first making it he wrote the script very linearly but then like that's not how people work on a computer. You always yeah, have multiple around. things going. And the fact that we as an audience are able to pick up, we're able to pick up, follow three storylines at a time, just seamlessly really cutting through. And it, it, yeah, it's really, really like, so you don't cool, have to have well just one thread going at once because you basically have like a split screen. Yeah, like they'll scenario. be, yeah, they'll be like his friends will be talking in a corner. He'll be getting random messages on Facebook, and then he'll also be like talking to his other buddy, like, "Hey, are you familiar but with you this don't one feel, thing?" You don't feel like you're missing something because you're not looking at a certain spot no. of the screen. No, 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 you're because I mean, it, it's like you're looking at a computer screen where your eyes are constantly running around the page, mm-hmm. looking at that's so interesting. Wow, it's really fascinating. And the other thing that uh, he was talking about was the way that he directed his actors was because it is such like it's just all webcam is he like would just keep the camera rolling for hours and hours of them just like talking running through lines repeating stuff doing stuff their own way so it all feels like it feels very organic it feels like how friends actually talk to each other except for only a couple of moments where it feels a little bit more forced um, other than that, like it does really work for the most part. Really, the worst part about this movie was the ending. I just found it kind of corny. Do you think you got the the non South by Southwest ending? Um, so I read about the other ending, which is definitely better. Um, the way that I saw it is, it ends with um, the guy saying there he watches because he's like talking with his girlfriend at this point he knows that his friends are like dying one by one he's just like stay on the phone with me so i can watch you like to make sure that you're safe and he's like sitting there with her and she says because she's deaf so she's like trying to sign and type to him while she's like on uh like facebook or whatever like facebook uh video chat and he's she's just like oh i got the message because meanwhile i mean they're hackers so he's like hacking her phone the hacker is to like send her like hey come to this address i'll meet you there and stuff like that but he's just like no like what are you doing like i said come to this place like it's really well visualized but it just has her walking into like a dark uh warehouse (laughs) (laughs) walking into like this abandoned warehouse which it's like come on horror movie trope of the year like are you kidding me it's a it's a warehouse that we were introduced earlier in the film because there's also these moments where whenever he's looking through this mysterious laptop he sees videos and he'll see like a woman like there's one particularly troubling one where he sees a woman that's tied up and a man walks and puts a can of food in the middle of the floor and you see the woman run and try and grab it and she reaches out and she's like inches away from the food. like she like can't quite get it and everything else and there's all this torturous things that happen in it you um, feel trapped because yeah. you're just um, sitting there watching a screen there's also uh the ending that i didn't see which is a cooler ending in my opinion um is he goes to this park where they were originally supposed to meet oh yeah because i should also say he sees her wander into the uh warehouse he loses connection and that car just comes and hits him and, and he's dead what? yeah um the other ending is he's out in the park, but um, the one of the guys it beats him there, and he finds like this, like basically this grave sitting there. A guy knocks him unconscious and buries him in the ground. And eventually, his like girl is like trying to come. She's like, "I'm looking for you. Where are you? Where are you?" And he's like trying to talk to her, but he doesn't have like any cell reception in there. And he just keep, she just keeps getting messages from him there, just like I can't understand what you're signing. Like I wish I could sign better. 
and like basically manipulating the messages they sending. Oh boy, it's 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 a cool movie. Like it's definitely really interesting. I Wait, recommend it. Let me um, check it out. Just oh, okay. Speaking for of its Black Mirror esque. Speaking, yes. speaking of cool, interesting movies. Okay, so <laughs> we don't have too much time, but I um I went on a journey yesterday, guys. It was a tough climb up this icy cold mountain i didn't think i was gonna make it Mm -hmm. i i checked every theater every seat was full every you know 58 year old mom and and her daughter and her daughter were out on the town they put their wigs on they put their eyelashes on they were going out to see mama this is very sexist here we go again (laughs) i mean that's the demographic man come on but you know it's funny though that i Usually, it's the the female that has to drag out the male to go see this movie on a date. I had to drag my girlfriend out <laughs> to see this movie. She did not want to go see it. She went to see it because she loves me and she wanted to make me happy. Um, but, guys, we, we did it. We managed to get into a screening at the Dolby uh, AMC. Gotta go Dolby. Glad you gotta guys go, didn't gotta spare gotta any Dolby. expense. Dude, it's a fucking musical. You gotta go Dolby. Gotta go 3D. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it... I, I can't believe I did it. I It happened. I, I didn't think I was going to be able to, but now I'm sitting here and I have seen this movie. I have you. experienced. You've experienced Equalizer 2. <laughs> proud of you. So Mamma Mia 2, here we go again. You know, the whole gang is back, plus a slew of uh, younger versions of some of these characters because it's like a very Godfather 2-esque uh, <laughs> framing device of a prequel slash sequel where you parallel the um, main character with her mom uh, and her story. So the Lily Collins character is basically like it, it's an origin story of her becoming Meryl Streep. Uh, so she gets the overalls and everything. It's like, it's like donning the suit. Yay. Um, <laughs> it's the same thing. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, thinking I, I wanted to see the first one leading up to this to try to like r- get a refresher of what it was like. But this movie is like it's like injecting like fucking crack or heroin. It's so fucking intense that if I <laughs> if I were to watch the first one, you I would, should put down the poster for this movie. I would probably like be seriously addicted to it and I wouldn't be able to stop watching it. So I was very scared to do that to myself. So I'm not going to touch that movie until some time has until passed. the high wears off yeah some time has passed and i'm able to like experience it and, and i'm a little cleaner um but yeah this movie it's it's pretty bad it's 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 bad but i had such a good time watching this i had so much fun like it just doesn't take itself seriously. It actually it takes itself seriously just the right amount for it not to be like a parody because this it's it's not like completely making fun of itself the whole time. Mm-hmm. It does ground itself a little bit, but at the end of the day, you're here to see fucking like singing and dancing for an hour and a half, you know. Yeah. You're not here for the plot. Um but the plot is in this one is I think better than the first one. Cause in the first one, it's all about like, which one of these is my real dad? Yeah. I, I, I have three dads, but only one of them is my real dad. So I need to hang out with them to find out this one. It's like, okay, we're all your dads. And now you just have to be your own person. And we're going to flash back to your mom and find out how we all had sex with her throughout <laughs> the course of the same week. And that's why we don't know which one's the father. 
Um, so yeah, lots of singing and dancing. It's all pretty much very solid, very well done. Um, my favorite numbers were the opener, which is uh, When I Kiss the Teacher. Great, great number with some bike riding and some, uh, you know. Call Me By Your Name-esque. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also they do Dancing Queen at the end and it's fucking amazing because they're all on boats and you see Colin Firth and Stellan Skarsgård hold each other Titanic style on the, on the, the front of the boat. Like, come on! This is this is everything I needed and could possibly want, and uh, and yeah, they do Waterloo again, and it's a really nice choreographed sequence in a Napoleon themed restaurant. So, does um, it reuse all of the songs from the first? Movie, no, they're or? mostly like uh, deep cuts, mostly. But they they redo deep cuts. <laughs> they redo uh, Mamma Mia, Waterloo. Um, uh, Dancing Queen They do a couple uh, Mostly I'd say a third Of the songs Are redos uh, There's about Maybe like Three or four Too many songs in this I would have trimmed it up Just a little bit uh, But Overall I, I enjoyed myself I I do need to say though That This movie Doesn't do Anything for diversity It's actually like Pretty hurtful For some of it's the pro- All white people The little progress That pretty Hollywood has made uh, is completely scoffed at by this movie because it is all white people, like every all like attractive white people. Yeah, no, like it's it's kind of ridiculous, like how this little this movie cares about being diverse and representative. So, it, it, but at the end of the day, it's fucking Mamma Mia. Like it's not <laughs> it's not a movie that's trying to make a statement, that's trying to be important or like socially relevant in any way. It's just fucking dumb. It's stupid. It's people dancing and singing to ABBA. Like, come on. I have two questions. One, um, will Meryl Streep get an Oscar nomination for this? Yes. She is in one scene. So oh, my I, God. I thought that oh she wasn't going to be in the movie at all because they give her the Danny Ocean in Ocean's 8 treatment mm. where they only show a photo of her. And I was like, oh, so she's not – we're just going to see a photo of her. But then at the very, very end, she shows up as a ghost. Spoilers. Sorry. As a ghost? What? Yeah. So there's a vision of her and that she sings, and it's it's very touching. It's very um, – So very, she's definitely winning an Oscar for this yeah, performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, honestly, like Amanda Seyfried, Lily Collins, and Meryl Streep. Isn't it Lily James? Lily James, yeah. Is I think it's Lily Collins. Lily James, Lily, Lily James. Why did I yeah. say Lily Collins? Who's Lily Collins? Oh, you fucking idiot! Oh right, yeah, Collins? sorry. <laughs> Lily James as young Meryl is awesome. She carries this film. She's a good actress. Um, also, the two actresses that play young Christine Baranski and young Julie Walters—they're dead on, spot on. Like they just embody those characters, and those are the two friends. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, you get your young Brosnan. And your young Firth and your young Scotland, they're they're fine. Everyone's fine. The only person I think is bad is my boy Dominic Cooper, who plays Preacher, who plays uh, Jesse Custer in Preacher. Oh, he's in this. He's Amanda Seyfried's husband. He sucks. He can't sing. Uh, he it feels like they tricked him into being in this movie. <laughs> he's like, in the first one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah briefly. Yeah. But he like he has a little bit more of a role in this one. He actually sings in this one, and he's horrible. the The scene that they have together though is kind of cool because they're both in their own respective parts of the world, but they're like intercut together with these like interesting camera tricks, and it's like a duet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's dumb. Is it's, it pretty? 
Um, yeah, I wouldn't say any of the shots are like ugly or you know poorly done. For the most part, it looks nice. Like they actually shot it in Greece. I don't think they shot all of it in Greece, but there's plenty of. Okay, shots I was gonna say because some of the stuff looks like very yeah. very okay. green screen. I, I gotta say, <laughs> the trailer there. Cher is in the last like ten minutes of the movie. She just she doesn't show up until the last ten dude, minutes. She should not be in this movie. What, she's in like all of the marketing yeah. for this movie. Yeah, she so is street and so is street. Yeah, yeah. So they're both they're not really in the movie. But like, okay, here's the thing: we're supposed to buy that Cher is Meryl's mom. Cher yeah. is only three years older than Meryl, and we're supposed to buy the. That's her mom. Did you guys know that Mama Mia, the first one, made $615 million? Yeah, this is why they yeah. made a second one 10 years See, later. See, I think I'm smart for putting it on my list. So, oh, I put it I But put it on here's the thing. I don't know if you guys have looked at the box office. It's actually going to lose this weekend to Equalizer 2. Yeah. No way, really? Right now, oh, Equalizer shit. 2 is at 35.8, and Mama Mia is at 34.3. My showings were pretty packed. Yeah. Um. But, yeah. the, the Show, thing- Wait, you went to two showings? Oh, the showings that I <laughs> checked. Multiple. The Uh-oh. showings that I checked. Busted. Uh, but no, the thing that I was going to say is Cher is very awkward in this movie. Like, she should really not be in it. It's nice to see someone who can actually sing because most of the mm. cast can. I mean, a Seifert can. Lily uh, James can. Uh, and Meryl can. Like, they... You know, and the guys, you know, they're they're fine. Pierce Brosnan cannot sing Pierce Brosnan can't sing he's, in the first movie. He was horrible. And... Luckily, they don't have him do an entire song in this one because in the first one, it was fucking torture to hear that man sing. <laughs> but in this one, yeah. he just gets a little tiny bit. And, Same with uh, Colin Firth; he sucks. Yeah, they they uh, pitch correct him so much. But in 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 this second one, it's great because they like they're not really in it that much. They only show up very intermittently, and it's like nice to see them. You know, they're not the bulk of the story. Um, but the the thing that I was going to get at is that share sings Fernando to Andy Garcia. Andy fucking Garcia is in this movie and he turns out to be Fernando, which is like one of Abba's most famous songs. So Cher sings Fernando to Andy Garcia and it's like so, so fucking awkward because it just doesn't fit along because this movie essentially turns into like a Cher concert in its last 10 minutes. It it, it gets completely derailed at the the end. And then you have Cher... And Andy Garcia dancing very awkwardly together with green screen fireworks behind them. Oh, One of boy. the fireworks turns into a heart. It's it's rough. But I had a good time. I, <laughs> Fun I, movie. See, I mean, okay. I'm going to say, so I'm a big musical head. I used to do theater. I love musicals. I saw Mamma Mia on Broadway, actually. Um, I do not like Mamma Mia. I think that the play is not very good. And hot take, everybody, I don't like ABBA. Yeah, if you don't like ABBA, you're not going to like this movie. Wait, have, <laughs> you, seen, have you seen the movie? Yeah, I've seen the movie. Okay, yeah. I've seen the movie and I've seen the play. The, the reason why... And I just, I'm not I'm not an ABBA fan. Yeah, like, the, everybody everybody loves ABBA. Whenever I say exactly. that, people are like, oh my God, you don't love ABBA? And I'm like, not not really. Yeah. I think she has like two... They have like two good songs. Well, they're they're a very like kind of niche like disco breakup group i just don't understand like what did abba do to 
weren't having like one of the biggest musicals is, in the yeah, world. So that's I, why I don't understand. I'm no, like, why? Know, why? I, why them? I got home last night uh, from work, and Gaia was over with Allison, your girlfriend, with, yeah. with my girlfriend, and they. The end of Mamma Mia was on, and I, 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 I had yeah, never seen Netflix. it. Yeah, I had never seen it, but I just watched the end of it, and that's what I. The first thing I said was like, "What a pitch." <laughs> like someone was listening to ABBA and they were like hmm white people Meryl Streep on an island okay okay I Who's see it who's the father I see it. yeah. it's so so bizarre of a pitch I well, just the, don't understand like the, why how that happened the nice thing about the second one is that okay the first one is just an adaptation of the show right but this second one is a completely new story that doesn't have to do anything with that original show so it, it feels a little bit fresher i mean they they reuse some of the songs but the fact that it's not tied to that play it's like at least more of an original story exactly yeah and it's not really about the story anyway because right. really this this movie barely has a plot and it doesn't really have yeah. any stakes this is a movie about the advancement of the aryan propaganda <laughs> <laughs> Now the Trump's like big fan new Mamma yeah. Mia. At the yeah. end of the day, this movie isn't really doing anything to help the lack of diversity in Hollywood. It's it's really it's a step in the yeah. wrong direction but, but in that is, regard. But it is doing a lot to hurt the lack of diversity in Hollywood. <laughs> and that's what we should remember. Yeah. So if you want to look at it as this movie that should have this social statement about representation, then it is fucking toxic. It's piece not good. But I mean, why would you expect that from Mama Mia? Exactly. Too? That's my like point. it's all about your expectations going into it. Like, yeah. I didn't expect this. I mean, honestly, I'm I'm. Almost positive I might be forced to go see this movie, despite how much I don't like it. And I'm just going to try and just have a good time with it. That's what I did. And I I was I had a very stressful day at work. I it was riled up and I just wanted to go fucking see Mamma Mia too. And then it was a whole ordeal to try to find seats. And then I finally sat down and watched it. And I had a smile on my face the whole time. <laughs> You're the like a little time. boy. And that's why great. you gave it a five-star review on Letterboxd. <laughs> yeah. It was great. I mean, I, Comparing honestly, it to Godfather Part 2. <laughs> you know, what's his name from The Onion said it best. If you don't like this movie and you hate it, it's not about Mamma Mia. It's about you. <laughs> and it's about what you've been through and the trauma that you've undergone and the... the pent up feelings that you have inside because yeah this movie it's all about hot white people and yeah it doesn't really have that many greek people even though it takes place in greece and yeah it doesn't really have a story or a plot or relatable characters but it's a fun romp of a <laughs> I'm, movie i'm glad that you brought up uh peter rosenthal's review yeah. for that because please that's, watch this go on the onion and that look up. is one of the best things i've ever <laughs> like the onion whenever the onion does a film review it's some of the funniest shit it's like amazing. in the world um, like it really is perfect yeah okay okay let's <laughs> yeah so that's, uh, again i'll say it go see it it's a good time right. you'll have a smile on your so face so that's either that or unfriended like just flip a coin they're basically the same movie <laughs> yeah or clueless. So that's uh <laughs> that's two mama to mia dark, dark web day of the soldado. Uh thanks let's, thanks let's for listening. Up. Let's wrap it up. Uh you can email us at webottomike at gmail dot com. Check us out on social media at we bought a mic, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh next week, fucking mission impossible, guys. I'm so ready. I'm rock hard. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Sorry, Bo Burnham. You're gonna have to wait for your review of eighth grade. Yeah, yeah. What is that? Good or something? Yeah. Fuck <laughs> you. you okay. You're We're going stupid. to see the greatest film ever made. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, I'm on internet at drewdietzen.com <laughs> slash Facebook. Don't, don't go there. Slash, <laughs> slash Facebook. That's his porn website. Uh, I'm at letterbox.org slash edu. <laughs> dot biz don't go to any of those those are those are like the james gunn sites where he <laughs> uploaded all of his kitty porn <laughs> that's the pizzagate yeah i'm at pizzagate.org <laughs> slash info and you Check can me follow out. me on twitter at kevin.spacey.com <laughs> and i'm gonna go to bed now okay all right well i'm at calderness on letterbox i wrote about all the stuff i talked about today and uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Write to us. Check us out on the tweeters and the social medias. And uh, we'll be back next week with Mission Impossible. Ooh. Ooh. Tell me you don't like this. Honey. Be better than-